Let's do my quick timing checks. Uh, Aaron, what are helicopters? Real. Uh, TJ, what are helicopters? Fake. All right. What the f*** is going on down there? You know I'm part of Big Helicopter. This is going to affect my standing in the uh, the syndicate. Propeller syndicate. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to WTFTFW. Hey. Uh, hi, TJ. Welcome also to WTFTFW. Hello. Uh, we're still in uh, in our... Well, I'm still in my catch-up mode. Uh, you all listen to that last recording and know what, what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you guys should listen to the last recording, too, once we get there. It'll be interesting. Uh, number, I believe, 557. Got interesting. I have to listen back to it, see if I even need to post it, is how interesting it got. But, uh, that's neither here nor there, because we're recording here and now on, uh, on April the 13th. Saturday the 13th. I was about to say, is it Friday the 13th? It's not, though. That was that would have been yesterday with today's date. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we are yesterday, gonna... yesterday was Friday the twelfth. So it's not nearly as ominous. Yeah, Friday the twelfth. It's like, oh, <laughs> you're the one with the T-shirt that says "I'm next to." Yeah, that's like the parody version of the movie where nothing happens. Yeah, it's Friday the twelfth. No, that'd be like <laughs> Thursday the eighth. It's Thursday the eighth. I went to pick up my laundry, and the mail came. You open the mailbox and you're like, <gasps> pull it out. It's like, it's a check from a bank. And you're like, this envelope was sealed with saliva, not water. Hard cut to someone in a hockey mask. Someone's watching a Flyers game on TV. <laughs> and someone in the background walks by and just goes like, nerd. Uh, so we're going to talk some Transformers. We're going to do that thing again. I liked how it felt last time. So let's try it again. Let's just go straight into our on topic what we got this week. The Transformers things we got this week to get us into motion, into gear, talk some toys. Um, Aaron, any new Transformers news on your end this week? 18 gun. I thought you were about to say you bought 18 toys, and I was like, this is not what I was expecting to deal with. Uh, so you're up to up to three six guns. Correct. And I Does- know if I got another six gun, how I would turn it into 24 gun, but it's it- here or there. Does it feel good? Does it feel it 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 all holds together well? Man. I'm not like going to do it, but he, he's like in a big armored suit power loader thing. It's like us Centurions, man. For, for a second there I thought you asked if his life decisions felt good, not the toy. Oh itself. no, that that doesn't at all, but <laughs> no, the toy feels good. Six gun replaces the life decisions. Uh Man, like it's like you're creating like your a, a, a build system out of six gun. Yeah. Well, I mean, siege is such a a build system anyway. Yeah. Like it's you know modular pegs around everything because I also got Ironhide and Prowl. All right. Those those came in so that whole order chunk from um the Hasbro Pulse came in and each thing came in in an individual box. Oh, I saw someone else's photo of that. I don't think it was yours. I saw another yeah, one where someone no. was like, you didn't I ended to... up with like four boxes on my porch, yeah. Yeah, like, someone had like a, okay. a stack of six of them, I think. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, thanks Hasbro Pulse, but also please stop. 
Yeah, so I I ended up also ended up with um the the re tool that took the best part of the tooling out of uh, Chromia. Ah, Chrome. Well, how does she like how does she feel as a figure? She feels the same as okay. a figure. It's not like I mean it's a completely new shell basically. There's all new greeble and the like on it. Yeah. But man, I really wish they would have kept the combiner guts in her. Yeah. And it's like the only trait is she has a different gun and two grenades that are like that have a, the the pegs on it so that it can peg into something or be yeah. held in her hand like she's getting ready to throw it. And it's, it's like, like it's like here's eh. some fun stuff for the quote unquote build system. Yeah. But and it's yeah. like uh, I I know you got to add in the stuff for the combat system. But Right. <laughs> like uh uh, did they leave the ball joints in, or did they all swap out for Universal like the rest of the line? I want to say they were all ball joints. I didn't grab her. I only have uh, eighteen gun in here as my reminder of this wave. But she was uh, she was very much just a yeah. I've got that toy two other ways now. Huh. I mean, here's here's the silver lining. If she ends up being really cool in the new comic continuity, then there's her figure, right? Yeah, but there's a big caveat of that is if she ends up being really cool, uh, she's on the path to being really cool, like in the context of that thing. But yeah, I'm I'm but, I'm getting over the combiner thing still. <laughs> right. Also got Prowl, and I actually like dig Prowl. He has very little like wasted motion in his transformation. Yeah, like the way that everything kind of comes together as a package is was pretty cool. Well, and that's and that's a very specific way to say it. That isn't he's oversimplified. Like, it, like there's a difference between the two. I think. Yeah, he's not. I. I mean, he has a simplistic transformation, but it's not like. Not like it's something that they left off. It's not like a three-step changer. Yeah. Type of simplistic. It's just very ordered. Yeah, like I saw the the photo they put up for the the select smokescreen version, and mm-hmm. that is a toy yeah. I really need to see in person. Like it yeah. it, it photos so badly, yeah. uh, and I know he, he probably is. Like I've heard from so many people, yourself included, that he's actually really fun. It's just he uh, is so unphotogenic, and seeing him in those other color schemes now is like I still don't even I still don't know. I don't have a point of reference, and without yeah, it, I I think part of it that that boggles people is that it's something that is like close to a car, but it's kind of like a plank in a way. Yeah. And and so it, it's, it's like an uncanny Valley style of it's close, but not exactly yet. So it's weird. And the, um, the legs are like probably fine, but when they're photographed, from, yeah, from the wrong angles with the wrong light, like, not catching onto the clear parts. They just start looking weird. Yeah. Uh, but like <laughs> I said, everyone I know who's actually got one, I think at worst they said he was kind of boring. But otherwise, it's like, there's nothing wrong with yeah. him. Yeah. And then uh, for the last of them, Ironhide is a beefy boy. I've heard good about him. He He's good. Um his like i i wish that his hammer missile launcher thing had like another point of motion in it or something mm-hmm. but his transformation is also pretty smooth um i've had the least amount of time to to fiddle with him 
um, due to everything else that's been going on in the world. But yeah, uh, I I hadn't managed to quite find the way to halfway mistransform him to turn him into the G one uh, Ironhide looking through a window chest thing. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that is that is it. Or no, I also got the uh, cassettes to go in Soundwave. I've seen them, but I didn't handle them. They looked. Oh no, we talked about the Soundwave. I thought they looked great on him. Yeah, they look they look good around him. It, it they line up thematically. My biggest wish is that um, that uh, laser beak actually like because Soundwave has indentations on his forearm that line up with laser beak's feet, mm-hmm. except for there's no positive connection there. It's just like two lines and two li- or two ridges and two ridges that will kind of hold it in place versus like if there was some peggy bit. The way that I made it look good was Laserbeak has a peg in the like what would be his his chest his, his I guess it's a bird so in the keel of his chest mm-hmm. that pulls down for when he's going to be like the armor mode to go on the shoulder or the back of the arm when he's a cassette. And there, and uh, Soundwave has a hole in his forearm, and he can fit there. But to do that, he's got to have like his bird legs splayed out to the side. Yeah, but then it stays in place because it's that five millimeter peg and and hole. So, yeah i I think that it's like it's it's hard to say whether it is a bad thing that they come off like to me anyway, like like kind of just accessories. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not against the idea of an add-on pack, for instance, mm-hmm. and and I very much see them as like they happen to occupy the mass the, the micro master space, but as an add-on pack for for that figure. And I mm-hmm. I don't think that's inherently bad, but it's a it's kind of a weird state of, of of affairs for those guys. Yeah. But that's it for me on Siege. I also ended up with some Studio Series, but I feel like I'm taking over this whole section right now. How dare you? Uh, well, we'll come back to your studio series stuff, especially if right. you've got some crossover with me. Uh, TJ, any 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 new Transformer stuff on your end? Sure, I can rattle off a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just to continue that, I've got Siege, Laser Beak, and Ravage as well. Mm-hmm. I pretty much echo the sentiments. Like they're nice little figures. They're nice little recreations of the G1 cassettes in Siege format. Uh. I also could not get Laserbeak to connect properly without using pegs. That's real frustrating. That that that, that seems like they dedicated stuff to it, and it still didn't work. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing. Like I kind of wish maybe even that chest peg was longer and everything lined up the right way. Yeah. So that it used those indents, but also was connected. But- I mean, since they're trying to pass them off as shields in cassette mode, I guess you can't really have them on super long pegs that don't completely sink in. Yeah. Like, we, we, we've gotten clips and we've gotten little tab joints like that. Like, we shouldn't have... Like, like it should have been fairly easy to make that work. I know, it just seems like an afterthought. It makes you almost wonder if the shield thing ended up superseding the more obvious... Uh need i guess or uh, needs a weird word for it but you know what i mean like being shields ended up impacting their more you know the reason why a lot of people are getting them in the first place well 
collectors, well, they still have to give them some reason to be independent. Yeah. So I understand why the shield thing was given priority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Odd state of affairs for it to be like, the cassette bots are great except for the shield modes. Yeah. <laughs> except for the part where they're cassettes. Yeah. I've always always kind of struggle with that in the modern times, but you know, they're they're fine for what they are. You know, yeah. they still work in Soundwave real good. That's all I really ask for at the end of the day. And I mean, not to like kinda poop on the price point, but there's not like that micromaster price point at least as of wave one was absolutely not a high mark in my opinion. It's not like they're really like, I feel like that micromaster price point is like an odd, like I'm going to say limiter in a way, because it's two packs that are slightly budgeted up with lots of paint, but it's still two packs. I don't know that micromaster price point just still feels weird to me. Like looking at the wave two stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, like I, these came from my big bad box. So I've got, I've got the MicroMasters two pack from that set too. Mm-hmm. I'm thoroughly disinterested in them because they're both. That kind of let me down when I saw the retooliness on the MicroMasters too. Like, it's not like there's like some grand precedent set by the cheap little things in generations anymore. You know, like the the Prime Masters and stuff. But yeah, uh, I feel I just feel oddly guilty. I don't know how else to explain it. I'm like I I feel like I'm supposed to be more into this than I am. I mean, it's you know, it's them bringing back one of those old school gimmicks and all that. Should be like, like I'm so into all this other stuff, and then they have these. Like, you're nice. Yeah, that's how I feel. That that is a great encapsulation of how I feel about them. It's just like you're nice. You remind me of the Micro Masters. I'm just like shrugging as I'm saying it. Uh, I think we went over this when we all got Wave One, and it's like, it's like there's plenty of nice things I can say about them while also kind of going like, I don't think I care about these, but I know I'm going to end up collecting them. It's like, it's like with the prime masters, uh, they're, they're going to be so omnipresent and they look just nice enough that it's like, yeah, you know, that, that little, uh, little, I can't remember his real name. Stakeout, little stakeout, you know, looks like stakeout. The colors are friendly. Uh, I don't want to turn this into the micromaster griping hour. <laughs> but we are. Yeah, that's right. You know what? A whole lot of people have lots of nice things to say about those MicroMasters, and they're all correct. So, you know, I'm not going to take that away from anybody. Yeah, if you enjoy, if you enjoy it, you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah but I'm... Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? You know, since I'm going to rattle into Studio Series next, I will... I will mention one more thing before I go into that one. So I have Rye model Optimus Prime IDW version. Nice. I almost bought that while I was at Capital City Comic Con, but uh, then I was like, I actually don't have a way to get this home easily, so I, I let it go for now. Oh uh, well, yeah, I knew I was. I, well, I I so want the Megatron kit, so like I I want Optimus and Megatron as Autobots standing. Yeah. Uh, a kit feels really nice. Like, someone who's spent most of my modeling lately building the uh, figureized standard figures, which are small part count, fairly simple. Uh, this is very involved. You're building very solid chunks. None of it feels like necessarily hollowed out, the mm-hmm. way a model kit can tend to feel. Uh, 
there's a lot of layers to building. So many, in fact, that in trying to keep track of them, I almost super glued parts together the wrong way right out of the gate. All right. Oops. Yeah. That's uh, how you know that one's yours. Well, no, I ha I had to pry it apart and fix it because there's no way to finish the assembly. Yeah. I've been there. Uh, again, that's how I know it's mine. It's like that's the one where I paint over it even, but I know there's that little that little yeah. stress mark in there that was caused by my negligence. Somewhere somewhere in this Optimus Prime's armpit, yeah. there's a couple stress marks that are all my fault. And I'm proud of them. It, it, it looks like the Furai model that is, like, that's the one I've been waiting for, is that Optimus. Uh, nothing against the other Optimus or the Starscream, but that one is just such a good representation. Uh, it sounds yeah. like the build is pretty fun. Yeah, the build is fun. It's involved. It's, you know, I, I like how solid everything comes together. I like I liked the Starscream and the other Optimus fine, but, you know, that the appeal to me is the fact that how we're getting some of those IDW designs. Yeah. I, I, I really want that trend to continue. Or at least in, a, in an official capacity. Uh, yeah. Like it's it's nice to like I like I like a lot of the unlicensed ones, but it, like like with that you know the the really expensive tarn, it's also really cool to be like I have the official tarn toy, I have the one that's mm -hmm. actually licensed. <laughs> um, were there any any like real like it sounds like the build was a joy? Were there any like spots of caution? I guess other than you know I guess like um, super glue in the wrong parts. <laughs> yeah. Well, because well, because I've I've been so used to snap together stuff, like it kind of threw me off that I was like, "We suggest you super glue this spot." You're kind of like, "Okay, Bandai's never that honest with me. Bandai's always like, no, it'll snap together." Nah. I like I like I had to set the model kit down mid build, drive off to Walgreens, get super glue, drive home. Again, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how you know it's a good one. Uh, yeah. Well. It, it, well, that should let you know. I made a special errand run to finish building this kit. That should tell you how fun it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm hyped to pick that up. It's also another reason is I just have so many unbuilt kits, but the IDW uh, Ferrari model is, like, basically the first thing I want to pick up once I get another kit done. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds great. Uh, but, yeah. On topic, the other, only other get is Studio Series. Aaron wants to in or if you've got something um well i i have a studio series uh i got bone crusher did either of you guys get bone crusher uh while back yeah yeah oh right you both got them yeah <laughs> okay well i'll catch this up uh, i've been messing with them basically for the last hour and i was going to say my one problem with them is i can't get the middle of his alt mode to come together correctly but that's because i finally caught on that you had to do like the the top of the hip 180, mm -hmm. uh, which the instructions do an incredibly bad job of communicating for half the instruction sheet. You want to like, talk about bad instructions are coming up for mine as well. All right. Uh, well, I, I'm just going to say bone crushers instructions have some high points, but the way they try to communicate those hips are terrible. And again, it's aside, aside from the, um, let's just always assume it critique of all the contrast and colors are too dark and too murky. It's just like, it's like four or five pictures at a great distance of his one leg doing something 
then shrunken down to fit on half of one page of one folding sheet. And I'm like, I'm like, y'all just do a close up or something. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what the solution is other than like make a video for God's sake. Uh, but I, I like Bone Crusher um, now that I've got his vehicle mode to come together solidly. Uh, it is funny how small the vehicle mode is. Uh, like, you can tell that he's a Voyager in part because he has that, like, octuple-jointed minesweeper arm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess if there's one critique I got, it's that on mine, one of the hips is very loose. And those things are riveted into those wheels, so it's not like I can really do anything about it easily. I gotta try to drip some floor polish into the rivet. Uh, but that joint being kind of ragdolly loose right out of the box, it got a bit better. Maybe it'll get even better. I've had joints do that before, but uh, that, that was a bit of a buzzkill. Uh, also, I, I appreciate how much is going on. I don't understand why his the forearm chunks on on that are the truck parts can detach from the inner chunks, but the inner chunks don't seem to extend. Like, I'm sure it's a screen accuracy thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why I'm doing that. And this is maybe a bit much, but given how we're moving into Studio Series toys coming borderline with like accessories and option parts, I I feel like it wouldn't actually be that big of an ask for them to just do a really cool, like dedicated, scary version of the Minesweeper for his robot mode in a full on claw formation. Because, uh, unfortunately, with them just being the one Minesweeper split in half, it's the same problem as the old Deluxe toy, where it just doesn't look very threatening. Uh, it, it doesn't really look like anything. Um, you can get it to work, but, yeah. Uh, I, I think he's cool. Um, I think he's doing, like, once I got the transformation to work, he's doing quite a bit uh, to impress me. I wish maybe some more parts of the Robot Mode tab together, but they aren't really falling apart either. Um, I'm, I'm happy enough with them. Uh, I, I don't think that he is uh, Ironhide tier or Starscream tier necessarily, um, but I also think that he needs to exist at the Voyager price point uh, for the sake of moving parts and etc. Uh, so yeah, I'm all right. I also got him for a couple bucks off, uh, which always makes me feel better uh, about getting Voyagers these days. But that's my Studio Series gets. I didn't find any other Siege, so uh, I guess we'll bop over to you guys for whatever other Studio Series you got. Aaron, actually, let's just give Aaron the floor for a second. Who is it? whose instructions you really want to talk about uh prime and jetfire especially they're going together bits so i mean jetfire we could we could just record a podcast about how the american instructions actually left out a part yeah and then left out another part that was even more clever yeah so i'm like totally glad that on the previous episode we had our uh hey look what japan did because i went back to those instructions yeah um but yeah so got uh prime what 33 or whatever uh 32 Um, i think 32 i'm trying to find that one still um that was another hasbro pulse order that also came in two separate boxes um (laughs) and it was like oh you put enough of the like inflatable cushion things in here that if you'd taken this out whoop this box would have gone in there whoop and been perfect cool thanks you know what i mean I'm sure it's the deal they have with FedEx or whoever. Yeah. But boy, you, uh, you, but you yeah. see that and you're like, you're like, what are we doing to the environment again? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those those boxes are now at least for Alfie's uh, Etsy store for if she has to ship anything bigger. Yeah. 
But yeah, so between Prime had a couple of moments in his transformation, especially the stuff between his backpack and the way that like all of his chest works. Mm-hmm. That thankfully it was intuitive enough to get it close, but trying to use the instructions was total garbage. And then uh, Jetfire really compounded that issue between just Jetfire himself and then any combinatory stuff. His instructions of... are a nightmare. Uh, and I, I mentioned this to you on Twitter, and I, and I think yours might actually have more problems than mine when you talked about the forearm tabs. Because I found if I ignored the two tabs that Actar in the feedback thread had removed... Which mm-hmm. I, I I agree. When I the more I've looked at them, they simply don't line up. Something went wrong at the factory. They do not line up with the t- the slots they're supposed to go into. Right. Um. With the with them removed, if I just really I had to really push on the forearms, but they would just do their kind of that soft kind of flesh like sink in, uh, okay. into where they're supposed to lock in. They certainly would come come loose quicker than everything else. Uh. But I got the jet mode to come together fine outside of those final two diagonal tabs. Yeah, mine are like there's just it. It's on the like the engine nacelles. Like you'll kind of get one in place. Yeah, and then the other one kind of just wants to burp out a little bit. And there are enough tabs on. It's the thing that's frustrating is that there are enough tabs on there, but it's not like they left slop in there for the tabs to tab correctly. Yeah, and I I had a lot of trouble with those nacelles. I distinctly recall that. I figured out, at least on my copy, and it might just be my copy, I figured out a tactile mm-hmm. trick that would get all of their pressures and tensions to line up. Uh, but you compound that with the instruction sheet, and like I can see that going real bad. Yeah. And then it is it is very much a case of like you know, just the way that... Like, the whole, what do you do with the rest of Jetfire after you've ripped his legs and back apart? Oh... This turns into a cannon that doesn't get mentioned anywhere. These things that make the barrel don't get mentioned anywhere. That yeah, you know, just the whole, you know, the spare chest that it comes with doesn't get mentioned anywhere. Yeah, it's just, it's friggin' heartbreaking. It's it is like we've talked about this, and I, I was telling someone else about this too. Like the the wording you had, I think that I'm kind of paraphrasing, I guess, is perfect. Which is it? It, it is disrespectful to the people who did the hard work on the toy. Yes, uh, especially for a collector-oriented toy that is doing so much work to make a reality out of these uh, ludicrous movie models. Mm-hmm. Um, it it it's like like my word would be it's a little insulting that yeah. someone puts all that work in and then if they ever catch the online feedback, it's oh they didn't even tell me how to make uh, jet fires leftover parts into a gun. What a dumb toy! And it's like. But I put a whole thing in there, or, or they gave us this inexplicable little chest with no explanation, and they're like, "There's a storage space for that in the back of Jetfire." What do you mean you don't know about that? Right. And then finding out that like the documentation doesn't mention nigh any of this, <laughs> and yeah. it, it's heartbreaking. It's it's and it's insulting to people who do good work. Uh, that's that's why I get a little fired up about it too. That and like, I've done the test. Like my mom still picks up Transformers sometimes for herself. Mm-hmm. And she can't use the instructions. She tries. She's she's not dumb. Like I, 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 you know, I don't I don't mean to say that you'd have to be to not understand it. But like, she's a she's a functional, well versed adult of the world, and she's like these instructions are harrowing. And I and I can't imagine being a parent with some of yeah. these things. Uh, okay, I I can't imagine somebody that's just like, hey, I got this for little Timmy. 
and now he comes to me and he's like, why isn't this working? And and the parent's best result is like, oh, here, let me take a look at these instructions. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. Do I need glasses now? Do I need concussion protocol because none of this is making sense? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Did I just get hit in the head really hard? Yeah. Can I not see colors properly? Is that why this is all murky and bled out on the on the paper? Uh because yeah, those instructions are a disservice, and we like we are. There's it's not even there's no shame. Like that was years ago. You'd say there's no shame in going to YouTube. It's like no, you have to go to YouTube to see how yeah. some of these work. Unless you, there are some folks who can intuit this stuff pretty well uh, who won't need the help. But also some of those folks have YouTube channels and are making yeah. the videos that show how to do yeah, this. Yeah, and 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 like I said, that's rough. That you know some of that stuff was uh, like, do I need to go to YouTube? Thankfully, like I said, Prime was has enough language in the toy that makes sense uh it was specifically the way that like the big shoulder pieces tab back in after transforming once um that wasn't entirely clear to me why things weren't lining up and i kind of had to like reorient the the ab chest panel bit to get it to pop the right way around yeah um but like Man, the way that Jetfire was just a constant, complex mess. It's such a bummer to hear too, because like, like I'm. There are also people who are just like, you know, jokingly I say, complete monsters with whom like a toy like that just clicks. And for me, mm-hmm. that was actually Jetfire. Like, I like that Jetfire a lot. I'm astounded well, how much I like it. And it sucks that like you, someone could grow to like it, but it gives such a bad first impression to so many yeah. people. And I will say, after I have transformed him a couple times and gone back and forth a few times like getting it from place to place is all right still the the thigh like twist one part twist the other part around it's a little bit hitchety but like the transformation is just fine it's just the fact that like so many things don't get showed in those instructions and i like dig the way that the like the two pieces of the chest part like come together and have almost like a a train knuckle lock together part like there's so much good on it and it's just yeah. that it comes down to like weird tabby bits and crappy instructions that are like that shouldn't like be the like the full letter grade down step on yeah. this toy that it seems to be and it's 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 so sad because like that guy does so many like to me one of the triumphs of that jet fire is that it actually just achieves getting the turbines to stay at the turbines in both modes. Yeah, it doesn't like, have to it, fake it. Them. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't. It didn't need to do that even, yeah. and it does, and, and, and that's cool. And I think the way that the like the one bit of parts fakery is the nose cone, but I think that the entire nose cone and neck of of the um, alt mode. The way that mm-hmm. that extends and collapses and, like, just tabs just perfectly onto his head. So even though his head is sitting right under there, the dimensions of it just hide it visually in a yeah. certain way. I'm like, it's so elegant and simple. That's part of what won me over with that figure mm-hmm. um, is when you get past the instructions, the transformation is what I would call elegant and simple for what it's doing. Uh, it is just communicated so badly. <laughs> yeah. Um so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, for everything we're saying, I think we would both say, like, yo, Jetfire is pretty cool. Uh, and and also, like, like you know, the bit with the cane, right? 
the two different um, pegan points. Mm-hmm. It's so elegant. I love it. Um, did you uh, combine the two of them? Yeah. How's that turn out? That turns out just fine. All right. Once you get the online Japanese instructions that tell you how to do it all, yeah, it's uh... <laughs> that helps a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, and again, I think without the the Japanese instructions, it would have been much more of an issue. Um, because yeah, there are a couple steps that it definitively shows better than the incredibly craptastical. Uh, Hasbro instructions? Sorry, hiccups. And uh, just the rest of it, just, like I said, not showing what you do with his, like, torso and and head when you're done with it. It's just like, I don't know, he combines and just throw these in the trash, I guess. <laughs> you got some spare plastic, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Aaron, you know, classically known as someone who's always touted the superiority of Takara product over domestic Hasbro product. I'm joking, but man, it's so weird how much like that's now become the Japan does it better is yeah instructions, and yeah. it's like, it's kind of quietly always been that way too. And then the weird thing is it's always been that way, and it remains that way on the main line. And then like I'm going to talk about this in a bit. I think masterpiece instructions have gotten worse. Uh, just I just could to see say it. it. Um, but Aaron, uh, any other studio series on your end you want to talk about? Nope. Uh, TJ, what's your studio series? Uh, I have scrap metal now. Oh, welcome to the, that, that little boy. That little boy. He's a good little boy. I feel as though I have walked down a very dark and long path toward uh, an eventual future that frightens I mean, you have. You can see in the instruction book how it says that this will take you until late 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You're still- locked in now, son. What What a reality check those dates are where they're like, listen, just so you know, we know y'all have spent year and a half buying $600 third-party combiners, so welcome. We're just telling you late 2020 for all the good bits, too. <laughs> uh, but but how are you finding scrap uh, metal? I almost said scrap metal. Wow. Uh, s- scrap metal is really, really nice. Like, I-, I think for a studio series figure, I'm not used to something, like, feeling just this solid. Yeah. Like, I'm so used to panels and fiddly little bits, and, like, the last one I picked up was Shatter. Like, to know those two are in the same toy line is scary. I mean, y'all yeah. completely broke my heart about Shatter, so I, I can, yeah. And and that was me thinking Shatter would be on par with Scrap Metal, assuming that, you know, because they're in the, in the same vicinity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's It's like, I'm going to get her because I want shatter but i'm ready for it now i've got my brass pins and super glues and various other tools all at the ready to rebuild the toy (laughs) modeling clay we've got styrene here i've got a i I have plastic card in two different thicknesses technically if i really need it (laughs) got the sand molding kit out on the porch that way i might as well just might as well just get the resin and the silicone ready just in case you have to redo the parts yourself yeah mm-hmm. i know i'm ready for it uh but yeah oh, no, but... scrap scrap metal like is is just elegant in my opinion anyway scrap metal is a joyful little figure yeah you know i do not expect out of a revenge of the fallen design uh strangely enough i get 
like R.I.D. Grimlock vibes out of him big time. Oh, 100%. 100%. I was telling that to someone uh, in L.A. when I got him. Uh, I can't remember who, but he he gave me that. It's it's like not it's not even just the fact that, you know, obviously the articulated scooper arm is on his back. But it, it is like right down to to not just the claws, but where they're coming out of. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see a green repaint of this, actually. Um. Because I, I think that would be a green repaint of this as like a movie rid Grimlock. <laughs> I think that would totally work. Here, we've, here we've we've made you a movie Grimlock. The dinosaur? No, no, it's a different one. <laughs> this is this is uh this is Ridlock. <laughs> oh no, not that, but not that Ridlock. Yeah, no, the not, older Ridlock, the green not, one. No, not, no, still not that one. No, not Gridlock. Rid, okay, uh, build uh, typhoon, and they're like, oh, build typhoon, build, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think of like the Walmart yellow repaint, that's basically him, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this guy, I've looked at coverage of Pogo Man, um, and I suspect the scrap metal really is getting a big boon out of just turning into a hand. Uh, I think that's actually one of the biggest qualities in his favor, because he doesn't really have to have much of any combiner engineering in him. No, not really. He's got the one tab that hangs off of him that really play a part in anything. Yeah. Like, going back to Jetfire, though, and the way that that tab looks, and the way that it looks on Pogoman, like, I am excited for how well all of that is going to sit together. Oh, 100%, 100%. But Pogoman also definitely suffers for being an actual functional chunk of limb. Yeah. Uh, granted, the the mode that suffers is the Pogoman mode, where I think maybe a lot of people are fine with that suffering, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, TJ, uh, I'm I'm happy that you're you're digging scrap metal. I I have a feeling scrap metal is going to be quietly a deluxe of the year for a lot of folks. It feels that way. Yeah. Like, he's just good at everything. I'm uh, just really hoping the Constructicons throw a really nice surprise in here and there. I I got good I, feelings. Um, especially when I think the worst of them is going to be, like, Pogoman and maybe kind of Long Haul. Because uh, the, the other Deluxe, right, is the weird Raptor thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like... Yeah, but we've, we've also got a leader-class Demolishor on the I know, and I rewatched his, um, sorry, the other one that looks like him's moment in Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, and the way that that thing transforms, I was looking at that again, and I'm like, that thing could fill out a leader class price point while leaving so much room for just big, well-done shoulders for Devastator. Uh, oh, it could be done. Yeah. And, but and, and, I, didn't, I didn't have fun with that figure at 20 bucks. I mean, also the other leader I'm gonna spend fifty on it someday. Like overload, like if you, either of the robot modes, that looks like it. That's gonna be like the scrap metal of the leader class, where it's just this is a good transformer. Also, it's part of a combiner, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I'm I'm real hype about these constructicons. <laughs> uh, any other stuff about scrap metal you want to throw in? Oh, I think that pretty much covers it. All right. Um, any other Transformers on your end you want to hit up? Uh, that'd be it. 
I have one more to talk about. Yes, I do. I got from uh, Amazon Japan my Masterpiece Beast Wars Megatron. And let me tell you about bad instructions. (laughs) Oh, no. Masterpiece Beast Wars Megatron, you must watch a video. Uh, Mm. The instructions are nice to know the intended broad order of operations. But there's, there's one part on him, basically, which I'm sure you guys might have heard about by now. There's a part where you have to you have to pull up to slide up his robot chest because it's compressed slightly. Okay. And that slider is horrendously tight out of the package. And it's connected to a sort of loose um 90 degree swivel that's held on with one screw uh to some of the purple parts. And if you if you do it in the in a very horrendously wrong order, I could see how this led to that those times people broke the crotch, but if you're following any actual structured order, there's there's no way you can... There's, there's the one nice thing about this toy. If you follow the instructions, and even just the broad order of instructions, you're never in a position to be breaking the crotch, as far as I can tell. Now, the crotch might shatter or something, because it's swirly plastic, but as far as like it just snapping because you're transforming it, I can't see that happening. And I moved the ratchets on mine, and I'm like, this feels fine. I guess if it breaks, it breaks, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, but... This is an extremely tight slider piece. I figured out how to do it. You have to, you have to like arrange your fingers in a way. The way I do it is I actually do more of a push than a pull. And in words, my main tip is apply pressure only to the black plastic parts and never to the purple parts. If you're if you're putting pressure on purple parts, that means that you're you're doing things too separated from the part that actually has to move. And when it finally moves. It actually is then a bit looser forever. It's uh, just that how, first how, one. How are you not applying pressure on the purple parts? Because that's alliteration. Um, like, like, do you have to like stop yourself momentarily and take a moment to breathe, and then? Oh, I, I just I enter I enter uh, t- I enter uh, toy engineering boy mode where I, I forget about alliteration because I'm thinking about hand feel. Okay, uh, which by the way is another great way to achieve that part of the transformation without it being too scary, but. That whole part of the transformation in the instructions is just a faraway shot with the upper body moving up with an up arrow next to it. And that's it. And it's like, that's not, that's, that is not what you're doing. (laughs) There is no reality where you're simply pulling up. It's too tight, even when it's been loosened up. And that's the one part of the engineering where I'm kind of like, I, unless I I could see how maybe there was just no room for it, but that that should have had a spring button release and not be like a friction pull lock. Uh, it's just, it's just too, it's too much pressure in too small a space. And there are too many people for whom that is just terrifying. I think, um, which is a shame to say, because otherwise I think that that is an, an elegant and beautiful piece of transforming toy. Uh, there's a, there's a ton of excellent stuff going on in the transformation. The instructions are just not good at communicating some of the finer bits. There's a bit where you have to fold a double joint on part of the dinosaur underbelly to get it to fit into the robot chest. And it has to be folded in a certain way where you're using both sides of the double joint. The instructions go at length to point out that there's a double joint, but they change the viewing angle... If I recall correctly, and maybe I'm wrong here, I just what I remember is I couldn't really tell what I was looking at after a certain point, and then I couldn't tell why the chest wouldn't clip together, and then I realized that the double joint had had to be folded more perpendicular uh, to a horizontal ninety, um, as opposed to being like slightly off. Uh, again, it's a thing once you get it, or once you just are shown it in motion, it's completely obvious what you have to do. 
Okay. This, this being the most expensive masterpiece transformer on the market, soon to be second most expensive, it should have had a video made for it by the company putting it out. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that something this expensive not only has somewhat shoddy at times instructions, it's not even an instruction book. It's an instruction sheet. It's a very large sheet. Do you know oh, what's fallen back to sheets? Do you uh. know what's really hard to keep open comfortably on a desk with a toy that you're afraid of handling because it's expensive? A gigantic sheet. Uh, I'm really let down by the sheet. It's, it's, I'm it's sitting a here thing. sadly shaking my head. It's like... a it's a real petty thing, but like part of the you, it's the second most expensive masterpiece transformer to ever be released, and it's like you gave me a folded sheet. Like, come on. Uh, it's anyway, uh, if you, if you leave out all this stuff and you go to watch Wotafa's video, basically, uh, there's still some bits actually in Wotafa, like, I think Wotafa is too dangerous with the way he's pulling on that, that slider piece, but, uh, the, I like the transformation a lot once I knew how everything was supposed to work and how it was supposed to feel, um, and it's, uh, it is a wonderful Beast Wars Megatron. He doesn't have to achieve the magic of Dinobot, so instead he just does a better Megatron than the old Ultra. Uh, with some, like, the, one of the coolest parts is how the two big pieces of half dinosaur torso shell, uh, they fold in like four to eight different places and tab at each fold to turn into just the two tiny pods on his back from the show. And one of the nicest aspects of the figure perhaps by happenstance, is because you can remove those pieces for, you know, making Megatron be gradually more naked, depending on what scenes you're replicating. Mm -hmm. You can pull those entire pieces off one at a time, like the entire piece assembly, and fold it up in isolation the first time. So you just know how it works without having it, you know, hanging off the back of the entire figure. Uh, oh, there's there's one other pro tip, and maybe this is in the instructions I didn't see it. The way that his tail comes off of his left arm is not a... The instructions make it look like you pull it off, but you don't. You slide it off a T-block. And okay. when you slide it off, don't click the connector back down into place inside the tail, because then you will have lost your, your angle that allows it to get back into the forearm. I did that, and I had to use... It actually almost broke one of my spudgers, so I had to use a thin diamond-hard nail file to get it back out as a lever uh, that could take all the pressure, because that is a very tight clip. So don't clip things back together when you remove the tail, is another big tip. Uh, but if you liked Masterpiece Dinobot, I think you'll love this. It's everything Masterpiece Dinobot was, except slightly more elegant, because it doesn't have to get as crazy. So the dinosaur mode, you know, is not compromised. Uh, just be aware of how everything moves and how it all tabs together. Don't try to pose the dinosaur mode till you've transformed them once is one thing I'll say. Because it's pretty I think it would be easy to accidentally stress some of the little tabs holding the the shell pieces together. And mm -hmm. mine had some stress marks on thinner tabs and thinner um moving bits. Uh I think there were about three stress marks I identified. Uh but and this was out of the package. The shade of purple plastic they're using, I think it's feasible those stress marks just will be there sometimes from the assembly process. When I flexed them, they felt absolutely sturdy. They didn't feel like they had... You know how a stress mark that is actually really bad, you'll feel that the plastic is flexier there? Right, uh, yeah. I, I did not detect that. with some, And I was real careful because these were some really thin bits. Uh, I did not detect that with the stress marks on mine, so I somewhat confidently believe that those stress marks are just a case of this is a plastic hue that whitens very easily when 
uh, pressures move through it. Okay. Um, you know, kind of like kind of like uh, universe or um, uh, reveal the shield. Rekgar's knuckles, the inside of his palms, how okay. they would just go white the moment you put the axe in there, even though yeah, yeah, they they never really crack apart. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the the light gimmick in his eyes is great. Um, I found that the heads were actually the the head that's on there, the face that's on there, is really easy to swap off and on. The other two were actually horrendously tight to get on the first few times. Something is up with the tolerances at the factory on at least the first run. Um, it felt a little third party ish in that some stuff was too tight for a human. Uh, until I worked it a few times. Okay. Uh, also, the sound chip in the dinosaur head. I think the clip has made the rounds by now. There, there is a lot. There's like over three minutes of dialogue in that thing. Oh, collectively, wow. there, there is a ton of dialogue. There's, there's not much when you just push the button to make it go. But when you hold the button, you get a transformation sound, the Beast Wars one, and that changes from the Beast Mode voice clips, of which there are only a few, to the Robot Mode voice clips, of which there are quite a few. And you also, at one point, hear the Predacon ship computer from the dub, uh, who he, I believe, refers to as Navikochan, and she has a very high-pitched voice. And then one of the voice clips is just Black Arachnia uh, talking to Megatron. Okay. Which is maybe a little Easter egg about the fact that she's the next one they're working on. Uh, and then there's a third mode, much like with MP Megatron, there's a third, if you hold the button down again, uh, voice mode, which is just one single laser blast noise. Uh, so there's, there's, they're, they're going real crazy with the, the sound chips on Masterpiece toys, and I am a thousand percent for it. If you're going to put a sound chip into a really expensive toy... Follow the Bandai Common Rider like complete selection model. If the if it's a chip in something that's several hundred dollars, there better be a couple minutes of audio in there. Uh, also, Megatron's dub actor is not David Kay's voice performance whatsoever. Is what I'll say. Uh, and it's pretty much the run of all the Beast Wars, though. It is, but I never like heard it at length until this toy. And boy, howdy, he's like, like, what, like he's he's going like, Kah! and then like, he has a thing where he does a maniacal laugh and then starts like coughing up a lung and then claiming that because he shoots his laser out of his mouth, it means he has a phlegmy throat. So he'll, he'll go like, and I'm like, that's, I didn't need to hear all that. That got real wet. <laughs> uh but yeah, a uh, very good very good figure in my opinion. I think it it was worth the wait. Uh I think it it is easily on par with Dinobot. Just I wish there was a button release for that slider part. I wish the dinosaur uh the T-Rex eyeballs, they are in fact fully posable, but they have no locking points, which means you roll the pupils out of the way when it's a hand, but often they'll start to trickle their way back in and it starts to look really weird. Uh and oh, here's the thing, which I don't think was very clear in the pre-orders, at least to me. He doesn't come with a stand. He just comes with adapters for Dinobots stand. But he doesn't come with a stand. Really? He uses Dinobots. Uh, there's implications that they're going to sell Dinobots stand on its own. But I sure felt like it was implied that thing was coming with him. And I yeah. was kind of checking the box a little bit. Going like, for real? <laughs> Because there's like three different adapters for the thing. Because there's like a, a, a T-Rex mode adapter, a robot mode adapter, and a third adapter just for Megatron to look like someone's holding him up. Uh, okay. And so you like pose Optimus underneath him, like holding him overhead. 
But uh, yeah, there's no stand with Megatron, just stand adapters. I was like, this is feeling real. It's feeling real Macross all of a sudden. <laughs> like, uh, I think like five or six years ago, Macross. Uh, anyway, that was a bit long. I didn't mean to go on that long. But Beast Wars, Masterpiece Megatron, I'm, I'm very happy with them. Granted, I also paid Amazon Japan prices. I'm not paying like Canadian EB Games prices or US retailer prices. I, I saved a decent amount going through Amazon Japan. Um, but if you if you liked MP Dinobot, I think MP Megatron is even better. Less impressive as a Transformer, but there was no way that they were going to have to make him do all that. He simply is a simpler thing. Oh, I had one other thing, actually. You can strip him down a whole lot. Uh, it's actually really cool, some of the stuff you can remove off of him, to the point where I'm actually quite let down you can't remove the T-Rex head to reveal another robot arm. And I feel like if y'all want to sell me an accessory kit which just adds the other robot arm and replaces the lower parts of his legs with normal robot legs... I would be way into that. I I think if you had made him as expensive as MP44 and worked all those part swaps in, I would have been super fine with that. Because uh, you can strip him way the hell down. It's really impressive. Like, the back pods, shoulder pads, tail, and hip rocket discs can all come off. Uh, mm. And they, they don't fall off either. Uh, and also, I won't spoil it, but the transformation on those hip rocket discs is just sublime. Like, the amount of stuff that's going on. It's okay. uh, and it's and it's it's like four clean motions and it's just so elegant. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it there. I, I don't want to keep ranting by myself in a vacuum about this. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's what we got this week on topic. Let's move into a listener question. I got a quick one here. Came in recently, but th- this is one that I thought would would be easy to to smack through. And it, it's it's one of the listener questions where I'm happy to answer it once every couple years because it's just good knowledge. Uh, and TJ, you've been selling a lot of stuff recently. I figure you can like dive right into this one too. Uh, in fact, would you like to read this one? You ask me as I take a bite of spaghetti. Hang on. I'm here to help. I can read the first line. (laughs) Hello, (laughs) podcasting people. I have a logistical question for you. And I pass the mic over. (coughs) Thank you. I am considering selling off a good chunk of my collection and could use some advice. How would you suggest I store, package, and ship them? What material should I wrap a figure in? Bubble wrap, paper towel, or otherwise? Thank you. I would say paper towel is actually not bad, but don't just rely on paper towel. No. Like, I would use paper towel for a very small box, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you're going to be packing a whole bunch of things for shipping, uh, go, just get newspaper. Yeah. You know, it's generally the cheapest. It has a good spring to it, so it's kind of shock absorbent. If you're if you're in a town with a local newspaper, they can just go to a box and just grab it for free. You're made. Yeah, because uh, basically mm. all, all you need from the newspaper is like it's like a spring material in a sense. Yeah, like if you crumple it up, it's it's the main thing about packing toys is you just want them to be fairly immobile in the box. Uh, so like a nice thing about bubble wrap is they can take motion. But to me, if you like, I, when I have bubble wraps and stuff, one thing I've done is you bubble wrap it. And then tape the bubble wrapped lump to a side of the box, uh, inside the box, just to like keep it in place. Um, but uh, in general, you just want to make it so they're not really rolling around in there. You don't want to hear rattling noises if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely say that a lot of it would also depend on like what it is. Is it a big toy? Then of course you're going to need more more rigidity or even in layers like you do bubble wrap but then also 
you know, put newspaper around it versus is it something small? I'd probably do like in into a Ziploc bag and then a wrap of paper or something. Yeah. It's it's definitely something where there's not going to be a hard and fast, this is what you do every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd also recommend take all the little tiny bits, put them into, if you don't have a Ziploc bag, at least roll them in like a piece of wrapping and clearly seal it and mark it as where the accessories are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, that can help a lot. And I mean, a lot of Transformers are pretty scratch resistant, but if it's something that is kind of scratchable, you know, it's your call. Like, just don't 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 put it in a, in a position where it could scratch itself after you wrap it in bubble wrap. Like, put or put or or paper towel or or newspaper. Put little buffer pieces in, especially with newspaper. Just like stick some stick a little buffer of paper between the space between like the arms and the torso if it's something that's very scratchable. Because um, that way, if you're like selling it on eBay or whatever. You don't get a buyer who can then immediately take a picture of the scratch and say, like, oh, it's scratch, I want my money back, and then eBay immediately sides with them, and then you're out, whatever, you know, the amount was. And that'd be the other thing I'd recommend, and it's something that I've done in the past of, like, as you're packaging things up, take photos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it's on eBay, I've, definitely. I've I've had that before where, like, a package showed, like, a box showed up just entirely chewed up, and somebody was distraught that i was shipping out bad boxes like that and i like showed them hey here's the photo of it like all boxed up you know granted yeah i could have tossed it underneath a car before i got to the post office i guess if i was a horrible human being but like here it is in pretty good state just beforehand like yeah like, it's we, only- we, we need to go have a discussion with your postal carrier it's only a word of caution if you are really like just doing the eBay route and only and only because like most of the time eBay is fine, but I hear enough times about the nightmare buyer that like it's 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 a very small precaution to take uh that can save yourself some trouble. Um also if you're selling stuff where you have the box, uh wrap the box. Yeah. Cuz cuz people oh, Yeah, absolutely. People will get kind of mad if the or at least some people and Murphy's law is it's the person you sold it to will get pretty mad if the if you treated the box as a piece of packing material as opposed to a part of the package, mm-hmm. you know, a part of the toy, I should say. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're in the States and you're shipping within the States, you don't have to worry that much about weight or whatever from what I've observed, at least compared to what we have to do up here in Canada or shipping internationally. Yeah. It depends on what it really depends on what you're shipping out. Yeah. Like, I will say this. Um, if you're planning to sell off a whole bunch of deluxes, for instance, uh, it's a spend money to make money thing, but it's worth it just to buy boxes to dedicate just to that. Like, uh, go to like you, Uline or you pack and ship online. Uh, I typically buy boxes that are seven by five by three. Mm-hmm. That okay. it's just about any deluxe that I want. And like two sheets of newspaper fills the gap. And yeah. That will ship first class all day, any day. Uh, don't have to worry about weight. Uh, all the dimensions are the same. It saves so much headache. Yeah. And since you since you know you'll be able to ship first class no matter what within the U.S., it's always you're always gonna get people to buy it a little bit better because it's such a cheaper price. Yeah. And and it, it's like you said, it's less of a headache. You you don't fall into the trap that I have fallen into for years of hoarding boxes that things i ordered came in oh that yeah that Mm -hmm. that is you can't do that 
Nothing like, feels you, worse than yeah, realizing you have like eight large flattened boxes that you've had in your closet for a year. You know, <laughs> what's worse? No, what's worse is it's inevitable. You go through. You plan to sell something. You go through. You've been hoarding these boxes for years, and none of them work. Yeah, they're all the wrong <laughs> size. They're all uh, the wrong size. This and, would cost me an extra ten bucks to ship. And let me tell you, if you, if dear listener, if you're about to tell me, well, I'll just Frankenstein a box. Speaking as someone who has several times Frankensteined boxes together, the sheer amount of time that takes is worth the money to get the pre-made boxes that TJ yes. is talking yes. about. I, yes, I shipped, I shipped a Franken box out of TFCon LA, and it was that was out of necessity, and that was I was so paranoid of if it was even going to stand up to everything, and thankfully it did. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, that's it. If it was a thing where I had, like, adequate time, a Franken-box would not have been my method. If you're at home and you're like, well, I can just do it in the evening, it's like, okay, you can, but is, is your time is your time really worth that much? <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. can you Can you play pretend like it's worth paying uh, yourself the seven dollars for the hour or so of slicing and maybe it'll take you less maybe you're better at it than i am i don't know but i found frankenboxing it's like it's not hard it's just so time consuming and you definitely have a feeling of what if this thing falls apart in transit and then you might go well i'll just coat it in tape and then it's like okay now you've used half a roll of tape mm -hmm. that was probably equal to maybe at least five dollars uh yeah. so you've saved two dollars instead of seven dollars <laughs> But you might not have saved money because now the box weighs so much more for all the extra stuff you had to do to it. And I will, uh, yeah, what I'm going to say. Look, it's only a half a roll of duct tape on there, okay? Be be aware of weight. Don't, o I used to over um, uh, buffer my packages with too much packing material. That sometimes actually made them more expensive to ship. And it's like, you know, if you know you're going to sell a bunch of stuff and then you order something from, say, HLJ and you get like a ream of the or BBTS, you get a ream of those little inflated airbags and you know you're about to sell something. If it times out like that, just use the repurpose packaging if it comes in while you're selling stuff. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, like just as CJ said, just do the thing where you get like some some cheap pre-made boxes and you you can pay you can uh, newspaper your way through them Um and as and, and basically, you just want to you want to buffer against impact, and you want to try to prevent rattling in the box is the main stuff. Uh, so hopefully yeah. that helped, uh, Triceradon, and uh, anyone else who might be wanting to sell some stuff uh, over the internet. Um, yeah, take photos of it. Write clearly. Um, I would say get just write the to from that's on the front of the box on a piece of eight and a half by eleven printer paper, and then mm -hmm. tape that to the front of the box. Uh, don't try to write on the box, especially if you're recycling a box. It is yeah. too risky. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're if you're doing it straight through eBay, just uh, go go to the kitchen section at Walmart, buy just like a super cheap weight electronic weight scale there. Mm -hmm. you, know, you don't need the you don't need the fifty dollar one the post office will sell you. Like a twelve dollar one that's made for cooking is. Gonna, is going to weigh everything you will ever have to ship out. Yeah. And again, saves you a trip to the post office. Saves you money, too, because eBay cuts you a deal on the shipping price. Oh, yeah, because then you can print the label, right? And you just print the label. I, yeah. I got so far, like, I sell so much that I also have, like, dedicated label paper. Yeah, and label yes. paper is also peel, peel not... 
It's not terribly expensive. No, no. Peel off, stick on. Oh my god, it saves so much tape and time. Yeah, just, you know, clarity in writing uh, will save you a lot of problems shipping stuff, especially internationally. Um, and yeah, hopefully that answered that question and, you know, provide enough info. Uh, let's pop into our main topic for the day. There's two topic topics, but this is the main one, because we didn't really talk about them that much, and it's because, as professionals do, we waited properly until all the info was available uh, to talk about Generation Select, Takara Tomy Mall exclusives, uh, and... Hasbro Pulse exclusive, Star Convoy. Uh, briefly, there are also two teasers for characters. One of them looks like Super Megatron to go with Star Convoy. Uh, and then the other one looks like Snaptrap out of Hunger, because I guess maybe they're going to do a combiner through Generation Select, and that would be a pretty cool way to, you know, do that last one that everyone keeps talking about. Uh, you imagine you- the mold that started off as a jet. Then yeah. a space jet, and then mm-hmm. a two-headed dragon, and now a turtle. Yeah. The, that mold is a, is a good mold, and this is a testament to it, in my opinion, that the thing can be this malleable. It's, it's amazing when you have a great skeleton what horrid, horrid flesh you can tack on top of it. It just it does that chest plate trick so well that I, I think it's, it's actually one of... It is such an elegant solution. I said elegant a lot this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's a great solution to the chest plate problem on some of those combiners if you don't want them to just have a giant ass shield. Where it's yeah. like it's like, no, it's just we built it into the legs. It's like yeah. g- cool. As you do. Yeah, it works. Um I didn't have a ton to say about the silhouettes because they're silhouettes and thus like we'll probably get a better look at them, but I'm definitely hyped for them. I think if they're gonna do a Super Megatron, boy howdy, that is a great uh loop to finally close. Uh mm-hmm. And it looks like it's done out of, uh, that looks Galvatron-y to me with the legs. Like, Titan Return Galvatron-y. Yeah. I can see yeah. that actually working for Super Megs. Yeah, and I'd, yeah. I'd love to see that mold redone as not a Headmaster as well. Yeah, yeah. Can I have it without the hollow mask? Yeah, if if that is, I mean, he ha- he clearly has a defined head shape there. Hopefully that's not a trick of the light in my eyes, and hopefully it's not another flip-up mask. Um... Given the way that his whole upper body looks, I imagine it's fully retooled. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Snap Trap. I mean, if we're gonna do uh, the Seacons, this seems like a, if if this this actually speaks a lot to me to what the Hasbro Pulse Generation Select venue actually is. Because uh, you asked if you asked me like you know some months ago, I just said it's a repository for interesting repaints. It seems like it's a lot more than that now. It seems like it's something that works in tandem with. Uh, Takaratomi's like tooling exclusives as well. I wonder if sometime in future, if they were to get full on figures we weren't getting over here that were not retools heavily, that that might be a venue. I wonder if Big Powered might show up in there, uh, if they if they have like stock set aside or not, or if they do another run of it to try out in there. If Star Convoy does well, um, this is really fascinating. Like that this this direct line is being opened. Uh, I have a quick question because I haven't checked. Is the Hasbro Pulse page for Star Convoy still a machine translation? Uh, let me let me check. Because that was kind of a weird look. I'm not gonna lie that that was a real blinker. That was a real kind of that was a real squint. Like y'all really couldn't. The write trailer anything. part is transformed into Convoy. Convoy by uniting with the container part, it becomes Star Convoy. Appear to Star Convoy's first redesigned item: full action deformation gimmick feature. Oh boy. 
Oh boy. So no, that's entirely. Uh... Yeah, that was handwritten. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, let's talk about Star Convoy. We saw a great prototype of this guy. Um, I thought it was a cool idea. I think the execution definitely is is it turned out pretty well. My biggest excitement was that it, the thing I was hoping for was correct, which is the smaller robot is not just an Optimus Prime, but it is toy Optimus Prime with that very specific head sculpt, like that mm-hmm. super diaclone head sculpt with the yellow eyes. I am into that uh, as, you know, the identity of the the quote unquote inner robot. I think that is super friggin cool. If that was not the case, I don't know I would be as interested in this. Uh, but that thing specifically makes me like way more interested in this. You can hear the the shine off of the gold chrome on his chest. That is, yeah, that is. Bling. You look at that and you just hear. Ching! I really hope it's a good chrome job because I would it would be such a bummer if like that's you... just that's just like gold spray paint, not like actual gold. Oh no, I mean I'd be okay with gold spray paint. The bummer would be if after one transformation you see a giant just like nickel plate of that gold fall off. Yeah. Like just a big piece of skin coming off. Uh, he also has a unique matrix that was, I think, recently revealed. Um, he comes with a new matrix with a five mil peg on the bottom, so he can, so he can finally hold the stupid thing and uh, plug it into his gun and plug it onto his gun <laughs> in the stupidest looking thing. <laughs> He's just straight up Star Convoy got drunk. He found out Galvatron tried to to load the matrix as ammunition once and was like, "I'll make it work." Just like stuck it into his gun, I think it's I think it's great. You know, the Matrix accessories often don't get to be actually useful in a lot of toys that have them, so uh, I'm down for this. Um, and uh, yeah, he's got like the shoulder turrets. He's, he's the only thing we haven't seen. I think is a base mode. I don't think it's going to be like a huge moment necessarily, but uh, I like the truck mode. I think that the inner robot with you know. It's a little thing, but the fact that he doesn't have to turn into a curved robot, he just turns into a box robot, is making mm-hmm. the kind of janky truck cab look better uh, from the very select angles they are showing us it from. Uh, so I, I'm I'm pretty into this. I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna try to get someone to mule one. Like he's not out until September, so there's no please mule this for me to Toronto scenario that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um. But Aaron, how are you feeling about Star Convoy? Uh, I definitely think it looks interesting. I don't think I'll be picking it up, um, even even though it's pre-orderable right now through Hasbro Pulse. Um, probably going to be a pass for me. Just I need to be less crazy about getting things so I can get like up to, you know, way too many six guns. But yeah, they got priorities. Yeah, uh, yeah. For me, like it, it, honestly, it is that inner robot that is selling me on this. Uh, I, I love the way the inner robot looks without it. I probably, I like the base design a lot. It, you know, it was like one of my toy of the years or whatever on one of those TFW things. So I'm, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a retool of a toy I love. So I, I'd probably be down for it at a convention, but I'm, I'm eyeballing it much harder for that inner robot. TJ, how are you feeling about star convoy? Um, I have strong consideration toward it. Like I think I'd be more, I think I'd be more into it like it feels like it's being identified as Star Convoy but in reality it's Optimus is a G1 Optimus Prime that happens to have a Star Convoy mode. <laughs> I mean cuz it's it's just the same old vehicle. Like I think I'd be way more into this if they had retooled the trailer to look more like the the super space truck that the original was. Oh yeah, I'm 
I, I will, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I'm not against making it like a G1 Optimus alt mode, full stop, but yeah, if they had retooled that alt mode to look like Star Convoy's alt mode, I think I would be actually saying, no, mule it for me, I'll get a ticket to TFCon DC to pick it up from you. Yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely like, you know, it doesn't wreck the toy for me, but if someone says that that's what puts them off, I would be like, no, you're absolutely correct. It It is not Star Convoy's alt mode. Um, it actually kind of, I was kind of giving it side eye for a bit. Cause I was like, well, where the hell are those shoulder guns? But they're, they're folded up. I, 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 I realized mm-hmm. the way it transforms actually folded up in there. So they kind of went out of their way to hide some of that. I mean, that didn't go out of their way. The base mold, basically, they didn't tweak the alt mode at all. They retooled robot mode parts. Um, but yeah, star convoy, uh, or yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm 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 eyeballing. I'm the fact that it's on Hasbro Pulse has me far more interested in this than I normally would be. Yeah, you don't have to go through uh, anyone like middle manning it off to Karatomi Mall. Yeah, you know? I will say, I will say, um, it's pretty obvious that they're just shipping this stuff directly from Takara. Yeah, because if you do go in and pre-order it, it's like, well, with uh, your Pulse Premium membership, it's ships for free. If you don't have premium, then it's thirty three bucks. Uh man, I think it still wouldn't have been worth it for me to overspend on deluxes to get that membership in Canada. Uh, but that's kind of cool. <laughs> I think everyone, a lot of people, I think, did get that premium membership, and it, it seems like it's going to pay dividends for for folks located in the states. I, I missed out on the little freebie version of it, and I don't know if I'm by there often enough to actually. Yeah, I'll I'll say it has um, bent me towards them a couple of times since oh, I did absolutely. get the premium. I mean, I, and I'm I'm pretty sure that was part of the goal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's why I got EB Games Platinum uh, membership because in Canada, EB Games gets a lot of Transformers and other toys first, and with the platinum discount, it is cheaper than Toys R Us or Walmart. Mm-hmm. So you know, it it just ended up working out that way. And there's also so many EB games uh, within distance of me that, like, like there are two Toys R Uses and one Walmart I can check. In that same space, there are, like, six EB games I can check. Uh, granted, EB games also gets a far more randomized stock, but still, like, psychologically, right. I guess, it, it has an effect on me. But, uh, yeah, that is Star Convoy. Um, hopefully they do a big colorful reveal of Armada Convoy next so that we can just talk about that <laughs> with all the features laid bare for us to discuss. Um, in the meantime, I've got us a listener question here from uh, Silver League on Twitter. It says, has there ever been a toy, Transformers or otherwise, that you owned as a kid and had a deep connection to but lost or got rid of for one reason or another and in adulthood as a collector have felt the need to seek out and own again? What was that toy? And if you did seek it out, were you successful? And if successful, was the magic still there? Um, for me, this was a Superhuman Summerride Cyber Squad DX figure, Boar, the twin drill tank from Xenon uh, in particular, is associated with one of my earliest memories of my first day of school. Uh, so stumbling home, 
stumbling home. So after stumbling upon a complete and great uh, condition, Drago Dinoforces with Servo Gridman and Anime North for 70 Canadian. Remembering firsthand how fantastic they were, I decided to hunt down the Xenon DX set and have since slowly been putting together a Gridman display in tribute to some of my first memories as a child. Uh, so with all that said, I'm curious if you had similar experiences with anything you grew up with back in the day. I also realized the redundancy of providing visuals for an audio-based podcast, but I just felt like sharing because he did provide uh, a photo of his Gridman shelf, um, which is sharing some space uh, with some mastermind stuff uh, and a detective Pikachu. Um, and in my case, like the, 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 this is the weird thing for me to say. My weird toy thing for my childhood toys is I almost never got rid of any childhood toys. Uh, they simply don't take up that much space because there was the crossover period where I went from these are toys that I was given as a kid to these are toys I wanted as an enthusiast. So I didn't really didn't really lose any of them. Uh, in fact, I had the opposite effect I've talked about before. I got like no interest in vintage toys unless they're ones I owned and I'm just upgrading or fixing the broken ones from like my personal canon of the, the ones that were my childhood transformers. Um, there's other vintage toys I'm into, but, but transformers, I just, I got very little interest. I have a thing that's relevant to this somewhat, but before I say that, TJ, do you have an answer uh, to this question? There's a bunch of vintage toys I went back to get because I do still have a lot of toys from my childhood, but I also had a grandmother who loved her yard sales. Mm. So a lot of a lot of my stuff, if they got left at her house, went went away for like fifty cents. No, but yeah, I I had a brother that was just like, oh, it has wings, it's got to fly. Oh, it's broken. Why do you have this toy? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't anymore. I did uh, that to one of my own toys only <laughs> once. <laughs> and it felt awful afterwards. Um, let's see. I'm I don't really have any like particular ones like that. There was just like a quest of miniature accomplishments. Uh the big one was a toy I didn't even own, and I told the story before, but worth repeating for this question. Um, I had the same babysitter as a kid over and over, just mm -hmm. a friend of the, a friend of my parents that, you know, uh, was, was at least trustworthy and her stepson, uh, had, it was the only, it was the first time I'd seen a collector. Like he took immaculate care of his transformers, rock lords, go bots. He had all kinds of things. And I always knew that he had like, I could get to play with a whole bunch of it, but I knew he had the big city formers. And I'd always beg him, please, let me see him. Let me, let me see him. Let me play with him. Let me, I want to play with Scorponok. He was the only kid I knew who had Scorponok. And he'd slide the box out from underneath his bed, still in the original packaging. He'd slide the, the styrofoam out. He'd give me, uh, I can't remember the one that, came, that comes with uh, Scorponok. Oh, he'd give me the little... Yeah, the accessory figure. Yeah, um, I want to say fast track, but that's not right. It is. It's something like that. It's it's one of those forgettable names. My head, my head went full tilt, but I don't full think tilt. that's not yes. right. Yeah. Okay. That is it. Yeah. Okay. So he give me he would give me full tilt to play with, and then he'd take out Scorponok, he'd transform it to the scorpion and the base, back to the robot. They'd put it back in the styrofoam and put it all away and back under the bed, and I'd never touch it. <laughs> and according to my mother, I would go home crying about this. 
because I wanted I wanted to play with this toy so bad my parents couldn't afford to get it. It was a huge mission. You know, as as an adult with my own damn money, I need to own this toy someday. And I believe I can't remember who, I can't even remember who it was from, but it was actually off of a sale on TFW two thousand five. Where I actually got my own. And like for me, yes, it was like there's uh, there's a there's a wound from childhood that was healed. You know, and there was there was an absolute like little spark of oh my god, I've I've literally been waiting the majority of my life to play with this toy and now it's in my hands that was extremely cool truthfully that was the case with me and encore fort max that was probably the one and only like the one that got away when i was a kid uh even as a young collector at one of the early bot cons the korean version of the car robots one got away so that that was i guess one where it was like finally i get to experience this thing and then after about two years i was like this is taking up so much space, I have to send it back to the West Coast with all the other G1 toys. <laughs> Fort Max by himself over here is doing nothing. Uh, so it didn't quite have as sweet an ending, I guess. Um, Aaron, what about you? Have you gotten a story like this? Um, so I, I did go back and uh, kind of do the same thing that you mentioned. I refreshed some childhood Transformers. Um, along the way, I've talked about it with Computron, I think maybe our last episode or the one before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've not done it so much with other lines. Um, I finally found a non-crazy priced um, the for Gridman for the mini plaz to have oh. some aspect of that. Yeah. Um, except for I realized after ordering it on Amazon Japan that it was coming for, or on Amazon.com it was coming from amiami japan <laughs> so it's probably going to get here by my birthday in the middle of may all right I, birthday. I, I i just went back and looked at it again um but that was something that i had childhood wise the box the like still box of my brother and i's childhood toys that's upstairs has parts of that like i i have half of that drill tank um I don't have the center core servo guy anymore and I don't have I think I've got the 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 center part of the dinosaur um Drago Drago um like I've got bits and pieces of things um so I don't know where the other bits and pieces are I know that my brother has some other stuff floating around but he's moved four or five times and I kind of asked him like sideways like hey you ever find that box he's like i know the room that it's in but we've moved like four times it's in the room where all the boxes from the last moves have gone it's like oh okay well if you ever find it let me know <laughs> can i go in that room <laughs> uh no i've i've seen that room it's quite a lot of stuff oh boy they're like ah it's a thing that like we don't need it so we don't go and bother with it and he's like i I promise you, I know there's stuff in there that's probably yours, like, uh, from from childhood toys. It's never going to be a, like, just throw it in a burn barrel type of thing. It'll we'll, we'll go through it. And the wife says, I have to go through so many of those boxes at a time, but then so she and neither of us do it, so neither of us call the other one out on it. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> this is more information than I intended to find out <laughs> Don't about. Don't want to cause marital strife, but... <laughs> I just, I'm just curious <laughs> about you know. your... Your superhuman summarized cyber squad toys. I'm not trying yeah. to start a confrontation. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> These are where the forks went. Oh God, I'm sorry. But I just wanted Xenon. Yeah. I mean, I I look at mask stuff every time we're at a at a toy show, and those toys oddly want like impressive figures behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a the vintage line I have some of. And I have almost gone back in on it several times whenever I'm in Victoria at Cherry Bomb Toys because they have a they have a complete Boulder Hill for like 70 Canadian just sitting there. What? Uh, I think it's complete. The main thing about Boulder Hill is it is sprawling and <sighs> fragile. So yeah. like, I would never want to ship that thing anywhere. But so because it's there, I'm like, well, I could just buy it then bring it straight to you know my my parents' house in the basement with all the other stuff. But then I'm like, yeah. do I want to buy this to immediately move it into a basement where I'm going to see it two or three times a year? Yeah, um, and you set it all up as a diorama as Boulder Hill is intended. It is, It is. you know, it's a pretty good, that's how they have it in their case right now. I, I might be wrong about the price. I just remember the price is a lot less than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. may, maybe it's not complete. Um, I have got it in my head recently talking to uh, to Sam over when I was over at uh, Capital City Comic Con. Uh, he's at Toy Traders in BC and does a lot of a lot of toy fix up. And I was like, I'm really tempted to just try to get a nice mint unbroken copy of uh, of the Switchblade from Mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this it's just such a beautiful, elegant piece to use that word for the fifteenth time this episode. And I just asked him. I was like, on mine, the clip broke. And he's like, oh yeah, the clip. And I'm like. How often is the clip broken? He's like, the clip is basically by design going to break. Uh, there's a certain mm-hmm. clip on it that just cannot survive the amount of pressure it has to go under. And I said to him, I'm like, is it easy to to swap the clip out? And he's like, yeah, yeah I do it all. I do it tons of times um, putting together good quality ones. And I'm like, surely someone on Shapeways has made a Shapeways version of the clip because Shapeways plastic is can be potentially a lot more flexible than old brittle ABS from the 1980s. Uh, so I got to look into that. If anyone's ever like figured this made a reproduction of the switchblade clip that breaks all the time, like I think I kind of want to track down a switchblade to have over here in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, my own little answer I had is not a childhood thing, but of all the toys I've ever sold, it's kind of recent every now and then I think to myself, I sold my Rio bot detonator or gun. And I thought that thing was really cool. I kind of want to get it back someday. Not enough to actually want to go buy one again, but that's always been on my mind. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have sold Detonator or Gun. Maybe I should have sold something else instead. But whatever. Most other things I sell, I, I oddly don't have as much regret about it as I thought I would have. But Detonator or Gun is kind of like, hmm. Anyway. I, I, I think a Shogun Megazord is the only thing that ever did that to me. Yeah. I did. I because then I thought to myself, well, someday I'm just going to get Muteki Shogun and I'm going to have the diecast parts and the accurate sculpt and the white arm and it's all going to be great and I never did it. Well, you know what? No, never mind. They never made a, a legacy version. They stopped short of making Don't a legacy version. Stop! <laughs> Don't. Wound is still fresh. You know what? That means that when Hasbro does their version of that stuff, their Lightning Collection Megazords, it'll be first in line. After the Dino Megazord. Maybe. I, mean, I wonder. I, mean, I don't. I don't think they'd go that route. Because you look at their lightning collection figures. They got a White Ranger. And the. the you know. White Ranger and the Lord Zed. And then they dotted the map. They. 
some EB games in town here apparently broke street date on Lightning Collection, and it's none of the ones I go to. I was looking all over. It, it, the street date broke at a few of them right before a toy show, and I literally, like, I'm going to say with no shame, I was like, you know, if I walk into this EB and they have all the Lightning Collection, I will just buy them and I will sell them at the toy show and keep myself a set. Uh, but I, di- I didn't. It didn't happen. And then someone else at the toy show had them for literally the $5 markup I was thinking I would sell them for at the toy show, and I was like, oh, so you're the one who got them. And he sold through them very fast, apparently. <laughs> Uh, it was only because of the timing because it's like they're going to be out on Amazon they're going to be out everywhere it doesn't really matter once they're out uh, but the same thing crossed my mind like right before TFCon LA and it was like all these Americans were like if any Canadians can please bring the Beast Morpher stuff to the States and I was like I'll go look if I can find a set of it did not find any of it till like the weekend after TFCon LA so I was like okay whatever <laughs> I tried I was hoping I could trade them for a Windblade card Aaron, small update. I did finally get a Windblade. Good. Uh, that 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 is now. I now am character complete on Wave Two. Before Wave Two has even had a release date announced for Canada. Yay! On the here's the upside though, because boy, a lot of my friends are giving me some uh, some big old crap about that. Quite justifiably, uh, I'm still gonna get a booster box in Canada because I want the battle cards. Uh, right. And and then, guess what? I'll have a whole bunch of character cards I can trade for more battle cards. Uh, mm-hmm. And it'll all even out. But. I was, I was going to say, on, on the card, I've had the box that I ordered, or not the box, the uh, Devastator set that I ordered came in as well. As, as of something, mm-hmm. I am getting very tempted to order some Devastators uh, from that place where it's like 18 bucks shipping to Canada. Because I, I need a few more Devastator sets for some of those cards. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, like your group that's sitting there getting like chomp at the bit nasty about it, just like do a big group order. Well, here's the here's the problem. The people who haven't ordered are be- is because they don't want to order a whole ton of product. They want to buy a couple packs and maybe a box locally. Right. And so I and I'm like, no, that's not something I'm going to argue against because that makes complete sense to support the shops that are giving mm-hmm. us a space to play. So right. it just it just becomes an unpleasant situation. But at the same situation. time that's like a box that's like a that's a like a pre-made deck thing. That's like getting a one of the the what was it that just came out? The challenger decks that just came out. Like I guess, but you know that that's a an all-in-one thing. Yeah. Yeah, but even then it's like <laughs> It means that, like, there's no... That would kill any reason for our local retailers to even order the Devastator set. Well, and then tell your tell your local retailer that they need to get on that gray market. And... I mean, then they gotta mark it up past what we'd be paying in the first place. Just saying. I'm, I'm envious of ages three and up and their, their hookup that lets them have a decent supply of, of American TCG stuff in their store. Because also they're playing in their store, so it's, it's the mm-hmm. best scenario. Um... Before I get on that tangent, though, just another quick toy topic, because this just got released, uh, these images just got released recently. This thing just went on display recently for the first time. 3A's Deluxe uh, Optimus Prime from the Bumblebee movie uh, is now on display. That's the next uh, Deluxe figure they're doing after Blitzwing. Uh, That Deluxe Bumblebee I have handled, and I adore it. Uh, I got to see that Blitzwing in person at TFCon LA. That thing looks magnificent. Optimus Prime is similarly, like, 14 inches tall, I think. Uh... Maybe not 14, maybe 12 inches. I can't, but that Blitzwing was pretty darn big compared to the Bumblebee. Um, but the deluxe line they're doing is 
way in the line of stuff like uh, a Sentinel or uh, or T Rex or Thousand Toys type piece or Flame Toys piece. Like just a really good, really well engineered posable robot figure with a good paint job. And this Optimus is looking sweet. Uh, so I wanted to quickly highlight it because, like, obviously, this is a design where his Studio Series figure is not horrifically compromised by design changes that happened. Uh, so it, it's not like we're actually starving for it. In the case of Bumblebee from the Bumblebee movie, we are kind of starved for a figure that looks like he does in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. This Optimus is, you know, not as necessary, but it is still a very uh, good line that makes one at least makes myself have a lot of high confidence that this figure will be a solid piece to play with so i'm i'm, I'm still quite interested in it um do you guys have any any thoughts on this i just wanted to highlight it because it's like basically very new um no it, it looks good i really dig the 3a stuff and wish i had place to if i had the space to be able to display that and have that out and and around i'd probably be getting them but i don't yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's super pretty. I give it that. No, oh, but I pretty sure I can't swing the price of these still. How much is that blitzwing? I'm just gonna go take a look for a sec. Cause the the price on these deluxe ones is part of what makes them so incredible because they're they're like, wait, they're how much? Because uh, the bumblebee is yeah, blitzwing is one ninety, so I expect Optimus will be similar. So that is kinda high. Because the, the bumblebee which is just, just like this freaking nice like seven eight inch tall figure is like is one thirty five, uh, and I think it's a really good price for a figure like that. I think that one one ninety. Now that I've seen that Blitzwing in person, uh, yeah, he's he's not fourteen inches. He's he's ten and a half inches tall, but also like bulky as hell. Um, so that Optimus I think is going to be a similar height, about ten and a half inches tall. Um, I expect he'll be a similar price, maybe slightly cheaper because he doesn't have all of Blitzwing's accoutrement, but. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Also, you can see in one of the photos a much larger movie Bumblebee standing next to him. Um, I'll throw in there, that is the premium scale Bumblebee they're doing, which is their usual Transformer stuff. Uh, so that's the very tall, like the 14-inch scale robots. They are still doing that with Transformers. Uh, there are still people I see in their Facebook group demanding that stuff. I am a little confused as to why, because I think that these deluxe ones are just categorically superior bang for your buck in every single sense. Uh it's not a knock on the on the premium ones. It's just the deluxe ones feel like a much more refined product, but they are still doing premium scale stuff as well. That, that's still on their plate. Uh they have a bumblebee coming. He does have the knife in his arm that the deluxe one is missing. Uh so there is that. But uh I'm I'm way more interested in these deluxes myself. Um although I'm curious if the premium bumblebee will feel similar in its articulation design. I don't know if it's going to feel more like the older 3A Transformer stuff, where it was more like just a big plastic action figure, I guess. We'll see once uh, product demos come out. But uh, that takes us through our last normal topic and into just some more listener questions. I had one more pair of these I thought were pertinent. Uh, I'm just going to hit up this one from Zion14, who says, Hey there, I recently had a topic I really wanted to talk about that popped into my head. Over the past week, I've been looking through my recent Transformers Power of the Prime Siege purchases and counting up parts counts on a few individual figures. Things like the amount of plastic parts, different plastic materials, pins, screws, rivets, paint apps, tampographs. I found it interesting counting them than comparing those counts to older figures of the same class. Say, for example, comparing Siege Magnus to Animated Magnus or Dark of the Moon Sentinel Prime. I feel the numbers really put perspective on where Transformers currently are. I was wondering if any of you had done it... uh, 
a bit with how interested you've been in past with toy engineering stuff. And do you think talking about or sharing sort that sorts of part kind of info would be or would make for interesting discussion or topic. Um, and as an add-on, I'd like to share approximate numbers I gathered as an example of doing this. Siege Magnus has about 93 plastic parts and 45 metal bits. Animated Magnus has about 172 plastic parts and 132 metal bits, not counting electronics. Dark of the Moon Sentinel Prime, 204 plastic parts and 156 metal bits, also not counting electronics. Um, what I'll just say... I think that we used to be a lot more hung up on parts count than we are now. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a moment where I believe someone in the industry explained to us that parts count is not the be-all, end-all that we thought it was. But I do still find it very fascinating. And in fact, if you've been doing this just for fun, I would really encourage you to draw up like a Google Doc chart, uh, like a spreadsheet, just with all this info in it to share. Because I think this is really cool. To be honest, this is some stuff I'd love to see on the TF wiki in the toy section, um, there's just some kind of database, like, you know, I don't know you could necessarily make, like, super interesting discussion out of this across the board, but I think this is super friggin' cool information, because in release order, right, Animated Magnus is 08, Dark of the Moon Sentinel Prime is 2011, Siege Magnus is 20, uh, 2018-2019, so you can see how Animated Magnus has that many parts, Dark of the Moon Sentinel Prime is kind of what I would say the peak of the movie money, right, so he's got just a colossal amount of components and then Mm -hmm. siege magnus is the current modern era where things streamlined uh for rising oil costs back in 2013 they are now much better at delivering toys that don't feel as compromised as the 2013 toys tended to feel um or you know basically the 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 fall of cybertron toys that line is the compromised one in my in my mind uh i think it's fascinating i think it also speaks to how much they can accomplish with fewer components uh, like the, the sheer amount of metal bits, for instance, like, I think that's kind of, that, that's the one that I really am looking at because I think Siege does have a marked increase of, of pins in the figures, uh, compared to, to going with ball socket joints, but like, like animated Magnus. Yeah. Like that, that's just a big stonking thing. Dark of the Moon Sentinel Prime, so many pinned hinges, uh, everywhere. Um, I, I think it's kind of cool. Aaron, you're, you're the one you were with me with the whole, like we, we used to say parts count like 15 times or recording. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how um, it's striking you. Yeah, so like we have noticed over time, and it's something that's been mentioned that like the toys are getting smaller for the same, you know, value for the same cost inputs, and you know we the we no longer have the like inner arm panels or the you know the the upper arm that's now one piece where before it used to be three pieces and four screws so that I'll be filled in and you know at a at a certain level it's not I I don't think it's nearly as uh as critical um mm. as maybe we once thought it was like the, um, it just got more it got more streamlined I think and and I think the limitation forced some some leaps of uh, design creativity for the better. Um, yeah, there, some, there have some definitely the worst, been places some... where, where even then, like, oh, now that like, you know, the forearms are are not always filled in. Well, now they just use it so that there's like a pin on the wrist swivel, so that you kind of get inward wrist action along with the rotation, and then also it can flip down, and that's part of the transformation yeah. where they've used some of those like things they had to open up 
in order to 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 cover the other way or with with siege um, some some figures have gotten smaller but they've also become denser and yeah. uh, and siege yeah. is is the first line i think of the generations lines where the price kind of very notably went up a, a dollar or two with siege i feel like we're actually seeing it in the increased number of pins and the increased paint apps yeah. um again yeah. again on siege sometimes for the worse when some of those paint apps are just the you know spackled nonsense but even ignoring that, I think that some figures really are benefiting from, even if they're shrinking down, they are just becoming denser uh, in, in mm-hmm. a sense. Um, Shockwave, I think, is a big example of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I feel I feel like uh, I, feel, I feel like this one more than many of the others, you can actually see where the different cost is coming. They're smaller, but there's so much more to them than there used to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, I think um, the missing link in here actually would be Power of the Primes and uh, and um, Titans Return. Uh, I'd like to know leader class plastic part and metal bits counts on those as well, because uh, I think that would draw a really that would help draw an even more clear line um, yeah. from, from Dark of the like, Moon till now. Yeah, like you you count up Siege Ultra Magnus and like Combiner War Ultra Magnus. Yeah, uh, and people and people have done the thing with them and the uh, the Power of the Primes uh, Rodimus. Um, so people have done the weight check where I believe power of the primes Rodimus is either equal to or lighter than siege Magnus, even though everyone's like, look at how tiny siege Magnus is next to him. It's like, yeah. it's also cause siege Magnus doesn't have huge pockets of air in him, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I can remember doing that. Like the only time I never like counted through parts. Like I, I think, I think part count as far as, uh, this podcast, I don't think I mentioned part count that many times. I'm, I'm really sure Aaron and me were, were the two who got the most hung up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, we've you've replaced it with elegant. It would, exactly, it, it would <laughs> it would seem like it was lesser if it was short. Yeah, yeah. No, but I I've I've taken a figure like I remember I remember in a video trying to make a point about like uh figure costs and like the weight. I remember I made a big deal about well someone made a big deal about well these boys these days are you know. Say, you know, for ten bucks, you don't get a figure as nearly as dense or as big or solid as they used to be. And then I weighed a current toy. I can't even remember which toy I was reviewing, but it was the current toy. And then I weighed it alongside a Cheetor, standard deluxe Cheetor from nineteen ninety six, mm-hmm. when that when the deluxe price became ten bucks, and it they weighed exactly the same. And <laughs> I think there was it. I want to say at least like a 12 year gap between the toys. Yeah. Like probably, I, probably 15 or so. I, I it's think it's ridiculous. The part people remember so fondly is that kind of 08 to 2011 era with reveal the shield and everything just getting more and more intense and the budget kind of being limitless. And the the thing that I found is you go back to some of those figures. They are really fun figures. Um, but they're also like the way I would put it. There's, there's a certain immaturity to some of their designs compared to now where some of them, like, the way that they would transform, there are times where I'd just be kind of like, nowadays, I look at how they transform, and I'm like, y'all could have saved a whole lot of hassle on this transformation. This is You're going a little kooky here with how much you're Mm -hmm. doing. And I don't think it's a bad thing inherently. I just think, like, to me, the current state of a lot of Generations toys, and there's always going to be stinkers, but um, 
like with a shock like seed shockwave i think is a real triumph granted i like his accessory packs so if you don't like it you're you don't like about a third of the toy and thus it's it's just not going to work <laughs> for you but like uh the, figures like him or hound from siege are just so elegant uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna see how many more times i can pop that word at tonight uh so what's I gotta I gotta look up other translations for it so I can sneak it in a few times. But there, there's so much going on with them that doesn't require so many little flippity moving parts. Um, or uh, Re- reveal the shield tracks I messed with recently and, and Wheeljack. I like those figures a ton, but like there's a certain kind of just like like just big kind of almost bloated uh, decadence to them of like. We could have done this more more uh, more cleanly, but instead there's a triple joint or something like that. And it's like, I get it. It's kind of cool that you had the budget to do this, but I don't think we're necessarily a categorically worse place now. Um, Wait, here was the weird thing is between, you know, before that, like we're at this nice point where the transformations on our figures feel efficient and streamlined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're doing everything they need to do and they're le- they're not really going to excess on transformation steps but how many people have compared siege iron high to like energon uh inferno or snowcat because yeah we used to have that exact style of transformation and then somewhere along the line we got insanity and then we kind of went you know we kind of had the right idea 15 years ago yeah, like the the insanity stuff, uh, like Revenge of the Fallen, I think was actually the peak peak of it. The, oh my god, uh, that was when I it have was literally just... i i've sat i have stood in the con- i've stood in the convention hall dealer room, talking to a toy guy there and sharing horror stories about having to transform Revenge of the Fallen mix masters. Well, it's like, it's like it's like that's when the money was infinite and that money being infinite you know it's hyperbole uh was i think fresh and new and it was like i guess we could just just keep adding parts to make it look like this 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 uh, cg model um because Re- reveal the shield was to revenge of the fallen what i'm saying about current toys being to reveal the shield uh like it's all well, just, i mean it's all cleaning it up you know like yeah i mean back then they all well they had a safety net back then because they always had like the fast action battlers or something like we oh, could yeah. go crazy on like the real toy line because the kids still get this that's easy to transform and still works and everything yeah yeah 100 percent um also i just found out on google translate did you know the word elegant when translated to a whole bunch of other languages basically just sounds like the word elegant mm-hmm. it's one of those kind of universal words here we go in hawaiian it's real huaki there we go that's the first one i've seen that wasn't in a cyrillic typeset that doesn't just look like the word elegant there's like one of those elegance i forgot that in german it's, it's elegant so it doesn't in french it's 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 elegant like it's yeah anyway my whole experiment fell apart uh and yeah um I think I think there's a lot of perspective to have when comparing current toys to the the last decade, uh, and I think it's also end of the day it's also very toy by toy. Uh, there are some toys with those bigger budgets that use them I think very efficiently, or at least they use them to just you know in hindsight that extra budget filled in the gaps everywhere. Um, and and there are some figures I think we just wouldn't get uh, nowadays. Like I'm 
A lot of people don't like it. I still adore the Reveal the Shield Junkions. I just got another one at the toy show last weekend for 10 bucks off of uh, Mr. Ryan Sheehy because no one else bought it. And I was like, I, I am not going to allow unsold Junkions to exist in this city. So I, I got another scrap heap. Uh, and that figure is just like, it's a little bloated with all the ball jointy just stuff hanging off of it. But that figure is an experiment that I just don't think would have happened uh, nowadays. Because they could go like, I don't know, we'll make a junkie on that can ride itself because we'll just keep adding parts to line everything up, I guess. And we're not fully uh, locked into making just G1 toys with joints, so we'll update the design a bit to look a bit more like a junk man. Um, I like that figure. Uh, anyway, hope that answered your listener question, Zion14. We have one more here from Snoopy Magnus. Uh, Aaron, would you like to read this one? Snoopy Magnus from February 21st, 2019 says, Hello again, Snoop here for a question for you crazy kids. So with Transformers, with 30 years of history and fiction under its belt, the fans have a lot of history to go to. We also have a lot of different material and jumping off points to start from. Even though we have had several, we have had multiple series and points of origin, the Transformers in general have always had a basic sense of who and what they are. So my question is, do you think Transformers as a whole would still be popular, or maybe even still around, if from day one Transformers would have had one linear universe like Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Trek minus the JJ universe, but that they had different stories as their new toy line cartoon? What if everything fed off G1? It If it fed off the original 13, the Unicron, Primus War, and so on. Beast Wars lined up with G1, but then after that, every story was basically its own story. Do you think this would have worked, or do you feel the same way we have it now is the only way to keep Transformers fresh and continue to move forward? Thanks a lot, and looking forward to your response, Snoop. So, I mean, I'm, I think you guys, I can, I think from our conversations over the years, you guys probably agree with me. I think if Transformers tried to always just be one long continuity, it would have died around 1999. Probably. Like, oh, I, 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 I probably would have... I probably would have buried it in the early 90s. Transtech might have like, limped on a little bit longer. I think we would have, if, like, yeah, if if they tried to keep it all to one continuity. I think the Beast era would have happened, and it, it, it happened. It it mm-hmm. retroactively was the same continuity. Did all right. I think that this, if things stuck to one linear line, we would have moved into Transtech. I think Transtech would have been a real interesting relic. I don't mm-hmm. think Transtech would I mean, have led to another sequel. Tra- Transtech, I feel like, would have been the worst type of, like, some of the mid to late bot con of, like, look, it's this thing, but it's also, like, it's it's this continuation, and it's the thing that you love, even though it's not. Hi. And then, like, it could, could have dragged on and just... And would have been the just let it die, man. Just just let it die. It's just crying out to be let go. Just let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't even think Beast Wars happens if you stick to that continuity because that means you're stick like it's not just continuity, it's sticking to the same design ideals. You know, we've had Star Wars and Star Trek that kind of been going through the same things forever. And Beast mm-hmm. Wars is a if is this is if like Star Wars did like a cyberspace saga. Yeah. Where it's all digital. <laughs> it's like it's like freaking reboot but with Star Wars stuff. Yeah. 
it's that it's that level of reinvention just kicking the door in and going everything has to change it, that's what's so because because i mean the reason i say beast wars is is something that's in line is because the question basically states it but that also happened very retroactively after almost an entire season of beast wars i mean it yeah. was we, well it's it's bizarre because the toys were originally concepted as new versions of the originals yeah, yeah. i mean bio... i still i still have on my desk the uh the re-redo of those two yeah, yeah. and then like the and, and it's like what happened is they said no let's not do that for the fiction and then after because season one was also twice as long as the other two seasons so after like half of the show the writers happened to get along with people on Usenet and find them interesting and cool to talk to. And then they kind of just then snuck it back in that it was in line after well, there already was a huge kicking in of the door, as you said. Well, well, they 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 had Starscream in episode one. It was or yeah, season yeah. one that was based mm-hmm. on based on the cartoon. So I've tried I've tried to follow like because I've told you I've told you where they got the inspiration. Mm hmm. You know, for the Bok, you know, that comes from the swarm, and the whole thing was in the past of a post-apocalyptic Earth, mm-hmm. which is still weird to me. But it also takes from uh, Transformers the movie, where they specifically state that Starscream was blown up by Galvatron, and yeah. they kind of turn his ghost from the G1 cartoon into, like, an immortal spark, which means it's... It is completely its own continuity because it's trying to line up two completely separate G1 continuities that don't coexist. And, like, I should mm-hmm. clarify when I say that, it, that like, it was about halfway through when they really lined it up. It's that going in, like, you know, they had some inspirations. The Starscream episode, I think there's a, I think there's a world, there's a timeline where the Starscream episode was a cute, it was the one cute throwback they did uh, that we always would remember the show for doing years later is like remember that time that starscream was in it and like that was it um it was after season one i think where they were then really laid into like no but also the arc is here and etc etc well season well yes like season two ends with oh hey it's the arc and all the dead autobots inside yeah right. and, and so and that's but, that is after the halfway point and i think that's also that's where they got such a plot point to be approved for air I mean, uh you also you also had starscream pretend to a shrapnel for part of season one yeah and they actually acknowledge that, yeah, that's an old Decepticon hero. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, like, you know, getting to the thrust of this question, uh, do you think the way that we feel we have it now is the only way to keep Transformers fresh and continue to move forward? My answer is yes uh, to that. I, I think that's why Transformers works, um, is we divorced ourselves from the straight jacket and the balls and chains of uh, the precious continuity uh yeah instead we we simply have several now um flavors of overarching monomyth in which we create contained continuities that we really enjoy and then the ones that are really good just become new flavors of the monomyth for the next little continuity we're going to enjoy and it it, uh is why transformers works i think uh to use the dirty word it's why it works as a franchise uh and survives as a franchise is because it is ready and able and now it takes for granted and is happy to uh reinvent itself uh and even makes jokes about how it's part of the name transformers transforms itself all the time uh there's a lot of franchises i think would be alive if they were in a position to embrace that as hard as transformers is able to um and it it even extends i think out into like the way that like 
enthusiast culture is real precious about continuity right now, uh, in part thanks to the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I like that it does it, but I think it's had this little negative effect of like, how can we make everything always line up really well? And how can we always make the conversations about how these movies all tie in together, almost more so than talking about the films themselves? Uh, and that Transformers kind of managed to escape a whole lot of that. And then IDW Comics first uh, version of their continuity, one of the longest running, if not the longest running Transformers continuity, uh, was able to fix itself thanks to incredibly talented writers and editors who came in about halfway through to write stories that patched up some of the lingering threads and weird things, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and then obviously John Barber stuck around and is now, in my opinion, uh, known for and, and rightfully so as someone who can surgically fix a continuity if given the position and the tools to do so. Um so yeah, uh, we we have room for continuities in Transformers. I think that we just would we would only be losing something if we tried to maneuver everything into one linear continuity. Uh, and before someone says it, Evergreen and the fact that right now a lot of design work and casts are drawing from the same monomyth ish and same kind of cast of characters is different than a linear continuity. Like there are still separate continuities that are popping up. Uh, and I think that's why they're all still able to kind of work, even if the initial reveals are always a little tepid, because it's like, check it out, it's Optimus and Bumblebee and Soundwave and Starscream and Megatron and Windblade. And then one character who's like, oh, look, it's a new Red Alert, or like, I don't know, another season from now, it's going to be like, oh, look, they did an arachnid you know, like that Star mm -hmm. Trek, that Star Trek versus Transformers thing. One of the most interesting things uh, in the midst of the book is when you realize, like, hey, they made up a Sunbow Arachnid to go with the Sunbow Windblade they made up. <laughs> and that's kind of cool. Uh, did you guys, by the way, have you guys checked out Star Trek versus Transformers? Yeah, I, have. I, I picked it all up and read it all. Yeah, I read it all in one go a couple weeks ago. I really liked it. Yeah, it was better than I thought what it was going to be. Like, not to go heavy spoilers, but the way that they made it work to have the Transformers exist in that universe with uh, original series, animated series versions of the eugenics war suits in that mm -hmm. one shot, I was like, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. <laughs> this is way, this is way less complicated than I thought it was. I thought it was going to be something like, we found a planet that recreated 1984 Earth, and in doing so, recreated the Transformers, and in doing so, etc., etc. And it's like, no, no, there's just, <laughs> they just never got new alt modes. They, just <laughs> they all left. Uh, I really like that book. Um, I also, I, I. I find William Shatner off-putting at times as a person, but mm -hmm. the use of of animated Captain Kirk in that book I thought was was uh, tone perfect. Like, of course, he will be the Mary Sue character in the crossover fiction, who is the only one who can suddenly just get injected with the brain power to run a transformer. Of course, it's him, right? She's the oh, one yeah. that has the will. Yeah. Yeah, and he he's the director for the book. <laughs> Wait, what? Is that legit? Was he legit accredited on the no, book? No, I'm making fun of Star Trek Five. 
Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, if I missed William Shatner having a credit on this Transformers crossover book, then A, I'm disappointed in myself, and B, oh my god, that's horrifying. Uh, although that's totally a move he would do, right? They'd be like, hey, William Shatner, director of this comic story, we need to have a, a Trek member be able to personally run an entire galaxy class star cruiser that can also turn into a robot he'd be like oh well that's me that's uh wasn't a galaxy class that's the d come on what class is the old one it's a constitution constitution that's a silly word (laughs) constitution class starship i i love that they even pointed it out they're like there's no way one single person can operate a ship like that it needs a crew of at least 20 and then they're like james tiberius kirk can (laughs) I'm like, did 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 Captain Kirk just write this in his quarters? Was he actually a Transformers fan <laughs> off screen? And this is his silly fiction he wrote. Captain's uh, log supplemental. I've hit writer's block again. <laughs> Can't figure out how to re- solve the plot within a fifth issue. Next entry. It came to me in a dream. It was so obvious. Fortress Tiberius. <laughs> uh, I love that book. Please read it. <laughs> it's so worth your time uh anyway that does our list of questions so we're just uh to finish off this podcast we're gonna go into our off topic what we got this week uh we'll start off over here with tj tj off topic uh what um, did you do let's kind of kind of go back to something we were talking about for a little bit i put together my super mini plot dina dragon slash drago from superhuman samurai cyber squad that's the web exclusive right that is okay so what's that, with the two different versions of that there are because there there's aren't. like the i th- i was popping around the middle of the week and it looked like there was one version that came with a different dynaman and one that didn't oh. no, or... no, no. uh no that one comes with uh gridman sigma Okay. Which was supposed to be the sequel series to Gridman. There exists one shot of the suit. That's like the, 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 the blue, the blue with one with silver some, red. With, yeah, with okay. the extra horns on it. Yeah, that was supposed to be okay. That was supposed to be Japan's equivalent of Malcolm. Like that was supposed to be like okay. his season. Okay, because I, I was just looking and I just pulled it up again. It's like there are some of them that are in like the. $80 range that don't include that image in anything and then the ones that are in like the $100 range include that image. That's that's so weird. So I think I, I think they, they did a version that didn't come with Gridman Sigma. Uh, okay. so I remember there were two order pages when it went up on Premium Bandai and I got confused for a bit and I don't think it got communicated very much outside of the middlemen who were buying it. Cuz uh, like bid Big Bad shows the red silver version in their combination stuff with with that for I'm the mini plot. I'm going to go look at it right now. This 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 thing did get confusing, I think. Um okay, yeah, there's two versions on Big Bad. Yeah, it's basically the the one they still have does not come with uh with Sigma. And then the Sigma version was another option that was a bit more expensive and it technically meant you would have a second body so you could have both armored up grid men fighting side by side okay okay um the reason why they show the red grid men on here is and i think that the thing on the bottom the little print is saying this doesn't come with a grid man we're just showing right. that it can armor sold separately him. yeah sold okay. separately. So yeah there was a version without grid man sigma um which you can still get on big bad right because i was thinking about pulling the trigger on that one at big bad 
but I wasn't sure. The question is, do you really want Gridman Sigma or not? Probably right. n- not, but I'd like to have another Gridman in there so I can have the two of them standing side by side, maybe. Seems but I also like... need to hold off on my silly purchases until I get more money in, so... Yeah, yeah. Now I'm looking on Big Bad Toy Store, and they have a version of their the Storm Collectibles Baraka from Mortal Kombat 2. The bloody version has green blood all over him for no good reason, and I'm annoyed by that. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. That's a completely separate topic. Um... But how was the build on the on the on the Drago? Uh, he's fun. Like, uh, he's he's got a lot of component. He's got a lot of components to him to fill in gaps from the original figure. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. Um, and just like some of the other ones, like they did with the uh, God Xenon, it. Uh, there are the alternate parts, so the final combination can have waist articulation or the standard parts, so the transformation stays as possible mm-hmm. which actually there's a little bit of cheating to that so I, i'm not even sure how relevant that is mini plot always like a super mini plot i find always tends to sneak in a super mini plot is always like it feels like it doesn't know if it wants to be normal mini plot or if it wants to be something like the macross high metal stuff where it's like mm-hmm. we will have option parts but but then sometimes we'll only have the option part direction and yeah, I don't know. At, at, from my spectator vantage point, it always just—we've talked about this before. I'm always like just asking people, like, does this one have m- many parts that come off or not? Uh, yeah. uh, build-wise, there's a little bit of part swapping to get a few things to work correctly. Like nothing terrible, nothing I wouldn't expect out of a from mini blah. Mm-hmm. But well, all the original function is still there. Like it still does everything the old DX toy did. That is still, like, that is probably my favorite tokusatsu design ever. It's like, ahead of its time, 100%, in my opinion. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, it was on the shelf at the same time as the original Megazord. And you compare just how stunning that com- that full armor combination looks, and then all the stuff that toy does on its own. It's really, really cool what they pulled off. Yeah, and, and I feel like nothing in that genre ever really hit the same notes to be honest like there have been really cool toys since then but gridman was like ball jointed articulated figure wearing a a set of transformers basically yeah uh yeah and it it worked Mm -hmm. and the joints would line up and it would still be perfect transformation it would be designed so you close the tank over the legs then split it in half it was just so nice uh and i remember i remember always being kind of disappointed that ever since then you know, not just looking at Bandai, but also at, at, at uh, well, I guess Bandai's handling Toho's stuff as well. But between Toei and Toho, like, Bandai never really being presented with stuff that would do that again, you know? Uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta track down that kit. I have a Gridman kit I haven't built yet, and I kind of want to. Um, and I would like to have a Dragon and a Gridman Sigma to go with it, if I could. Yeah. yeah. It looks like the with with Sigma is much more is like another twenty dollars more expensive if you can find it. Yeah, it's because you're basically mm-hmm. just getting like that extra box or two for a Gridman mm-hmm. figure. Yeah, um, which you know if you if you're gonna cover it up with a bunch of armor anyway, you're not gonna see a whole lot of it to begin with. Yeah, right. well, if there was a thing that sold just the Gridman, that's the bummer right. with Super Mini Plot, right? There's no situation where someone just bought a set of them from like a uh not a mandarake yeah. a, uh, a a convenience store right yeah mm. it's like, i just want god xenon 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can find someone to split one who wants to, like, do a modeling project on a god xenon. That's not me, by the way. I'll just say right now. I, I haven't even built one yet. Uh, that's cool, though. I'm, I'm going to track that thing down sometime. Along with that super mini plot, King Jader. Those are, those are two long-term things I want to track down. Super, super mini blocking Jader is ridiculous. You should see how big he is in some videos. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it myself, but I'm like, like I don't think you're allowed to call it mini plot. That I think that's just the regular model kit. It's it, no, <laughs> it's it's just a very large mini. It's big mini. <laughs> like, like I, I thought the whole I thought like one of the tricks here is like if you have the old DX toy, it's in scale with the super mini plot Gygar. Somewhat. Well, so they just made a super mini plot King Jader where you, from what I've seen of it, I, I look at the thing and I'm kind of like, did someone just want to make a new King Jader toy, but they didn't have a venue? Like, like this thing's, this thing's enormous. Um, anything else off topic on your end you want to hit up? Uh, let's see. Here. Um, um, bunch of stuff from Zio. Like I got Gates Revive, Zio 2, and Trinity all at the same time. The RKFs? Or the uh, no, DX no, no. watches. No, no watches. Okay. Makers. Okay, yeah, because I saw the main thing I want to I want to I want to quickly ask you is I saw you had a thing which I didn't know was a thing until you tweeted about it. Where oh yeah, the beads in the Gates Revive watch, which is an hourglass with like little blue beads. Apparently, those beads can pick up static and no longer work as a as a you know uh, well, hourglass. They, they, they don't necessarily pick up static, but the chamber they are in. If they if it is handled incorrectly at the factory, and from what I've seen in videos, it often is. Yeah. Uh, it will it will cause a lot of static buildup that makes all of those beads cling to the outer shell and the ceiling, so the effect does not work at all. So, like, what was the solution? <laughs> uh, so the solution is to disassemble the entire toy. Oh, just that. There's a lot of. Yeah, oh yeah, because there's a lot of extra shell and things you have to get off just to get that translucent hourglass piece out. And then, like, even the cap on the back of that is kind of an annoying to pry off without snapping anything. But once it's just there, once it's just the hourglass and a whole bunch of beads, uh, the process is get all of the beads out, put them on, like, a, like a plate where they're not going to roll off or anything, and then rub them with a dryer sheet. Oh boy! <laughs> so this is this is my this is my life as an adult collector, with a bunch of toy parts around me, gently massaging a bunch of blue plastic beads in a in a plate <laughs> with a downy dryer sheet. Because I was like, I wonder what the clever solution is going to be that doesn't involve hand de-staticking all the beads. But it turns out that's the solution. Well, well, by hand de-staticking, yes. Like it's, it's not like you're going a beat at a time. It's just yeah, uh, you know, just roll them around for a few seconds and you're done. But you are dab you, inside the chamber to get rid of all that. Yeah, you are manually though, like <laughs> yeah, getting in there. I was, and... I was thinking, like, is there like a trick that de-statics the inside without opening it up? Like, do if I run a magnet across it, will all the bees just fall? It's like, no, it's disassembled this entire watch. And uh, at least now you know how it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> it turns out gravity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I have a nice reminder of the experiment as I noticed that one little dog hair got in. All right. Hmm. That's how you know it's yours. Mm -hmm. 
I want to mark that on eBay if I ever sell it. That'll be an interesting day. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm contain contains one dog hair. Please do not clone. I'm currently not going after any of those upgrade watches, but uh, I think I just sealed the deal on finishing all the Heisei watches, so I can have the complete little stand. Ooh. I still need I still need the O's because I don't want to buy the big dumb robot. Yeah, the big dumb robot showed up on Mandarake again for like less than retail. And uh, but of course yeah. that gets balanced out when the fact is even with small packet registered sal, it's still like twenty seven hundred yen to ship. Uh yeah. That's the kind of thing that made me wish I got it off of Amazon was sixty five bucks there. Oh god. Uh so yeah, I just I did it because I was like the same Mandarake has like two of the other watches I'm missing for super cheap because they're just opened. Uh, and they're still DXs. But the watches are actually all over Mandarake now. I was really happy to see that. Like, all the ones that were getting really difficult to find. Um, a lot of them are floating on Mandarake for like a thousand yen now for the DXs. Oh, that sounds cool. like it's time to pull a trigger. Yeah. So I'm going to have my little watch display. And it, now they're doing the thing where, like, now that we've done all the Heisei watches, we're doing the Heisei Final Form DX watches. And I went to look at how they work, and I was like, that's very cute. Uh, that is not show accurate. Therefore, I only need these. I may eventually get a decayed watch to put on the top because they did that in the show, just like I thought they would. Uh, but otherwise, I'm I'm satisfied with this. I just got my little my little tower of watches. Um, they haven't all gotten here yet, but I'm very soon gonna have that done. Uh, but yeah, ZO2 and Gates Revive and uh, and Trinity Trinity. I'm a little tempted by because the way it works and all the noises it makes seem pretty cool. Okay, so uh, ZO2 is just like a super clever little double toy in one. Yeah, it basically works exactly like a normal watch. I, I like the, I like the, the physical of, action. Yeah, I, I like the physical action of it, and I like the effect on the belt where it's just going nuts. Yeah, and everything's just glitching out. The only thing about it that kind of bummed me out, unfortunately, is the ZO2 noises like do nothing for me. <laughs> it's literally a guy going ZO2, and I'm like, okay, well. I was ho I was hoping for some pomp and circumstance here, but like uh, for for uh, Gates Revive, like once the hourglass effect works, it works really well. Mm -hmm. Like it's a really neat effect for form switching. So like that one, I was really happy with. Yeah. Um, Renity, I'm iffy because I, I like it's the like idea, right? The thing I haven't really caught yet is like, given that there's like three layers of onion skin spring loaded doors, does any of does it work every time? Because <laughs> that was my first thought when I saw how the thing works. I was like, all it takes is for one of these latches to get misaligned or something, and then suddenly it's going to be like, all right, I'm going to do the henshin. Up, oh, two doors opened. Up, oh, this one didn't open right. Uh, is that? Uh, I'm going to say four out of every five times. Oh boy. All right. Well, that... yeah. Four, four out of every five <laughs> times, all the doors open on the first turn. That is saving me a whole lot of trouble now. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I was like, that I've is... had nothing. I've had nothing but frustration trying to get that gimmick to work correctly. Because <laughs> when I saw how Cause... it worked, I was like, if this is engineered immaculately, darn, I'm into this. But everyone Listen, here's is. The thing. Everyone's videos are very highly edited, so I'm like, I don't know. Because <laughs> here's the thing: when you slide it in, the first door opens up, and that always works, and that's fine. Yeah. You give it that first twist, and the way it works is 
the little mechanism inside, there's two latches that it holds onto at once. You twist it, and the top latch goes. You twist it, the bottom latch goes. But then you twist it again, and it kind of does this weird little double action because it's on the second. It's on the same thing. Yeah, it's on the same mechanism, but you only have to turn it twice for the actual transformation. Which means even if you have it all lined up correctly and you twist it at the right speed so that only one catches, once you reset it, if you haven't twisted that extra bit, it's going to all fly open again. Ah. And even when I think I have it set correctly, I still don't have it set correctly? <laughs> yeah, this, is, this all sounds like my hesitation that led to me not ordering it uh, came true. Because <laughs> I was like, the thing I like about all the Heisei watches is they just do their one thing real well. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what I ordered instead of it is um, on Mandarake. It, it was it, it was hitting the same kind of like now that everyone has theirs, it's not hard to get. It's, it's not hard to find it, and for kind of cheap is the uh, the another watch they put out with the five different faceplates. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll throw that in. I think I threw that in with the O's watch giant bike thing to like fill the box. And uh, I saw a demo of how that watch worked, and I was like, I was hoping it'd be five watches, but you know, yeah. the solution they came up with is better than other things they've put out that are supposed to be multiple devices, because it's a clear oh, and linear path to switch between modes. It's not yeah, like you have uh, to count your button presses. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, which Dopont do I want to get to? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It still looks like the terror memory anyway. Yeah. Five, six, seven, <laughs> like they solved that by letting us just buy like 800 memories in giant pizza boxes uh yeah <laughs> quick and simple solution there yeah but no, like this the, the like the another watch is just hold it down and it will tell you which one you switch to and i'm like all right cool uh i just want to hear the thing say five that's like the main thing i want out of it um well good to know about the trinity watch <laughs> yeah Hang on your money yeah yeah, Trinity Watch, that that puts me off of it. Gates Revive Watch, I don't want to go through any of the bother. <laughs> and the, the ZO2 Watch, I just really hate the way that they go like, two! Because I'm like, in the show, I don't mind it. It's just as a toy, I'm like, I, I want to hear something that makes me get excited, like the like a lot of the Gashats. The Gashats never let me down. It was always exciting to use those things. Um, Anything else on topic on your end? I mean, off topic? Yeah. Uh, uh, I did. Uh, I did get one little thing on top of all this, which was a 2007 Mini Cooper. Uh that's that's kind of small. I mean, it's, it's called a Mini. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A mini. It, it doesn't transform or anything. I tried. I mean, how many Lego bricks does it take to build that thing? Quite a like, few. Yeah. There, there is an official one. You want me to go check the counter? <laughs> Well, just multiply that, right, volumetrically by the size of the one that can actually be driven. Uh, was So, here's my one question. Uh, was that your first choice? Um, actually, yeah. All right. So the, like, well, I, why? I, I was going to say, here, here's a story I hear about a lot of times people just get a car. Is it's like, <laughs> I couldn't get the one I wanted. But this one was in the right place at the right time. But I was curious, with a Mini Cooper specifically, if it was just like, nah, I want a Mini Cooper. Well, here's the thing. So, I like for me, like I did want a Mini Cooper, because I'm not a guy who likes cars to be with. Mm-hmm. But I like that car. Like, yeah. That, that just felt like it would fit me to a T. 
And so far, I'm glad to say it has. Yeah. But <laughs> figured out it was my car because the, the way the keyless entry works, it is like plugging in a cyber key. Ah. Like, I love I love this already. Uh, but it was the first one I went to. It's the first one that caught my eye. I shouldn't say that, actually. Because mm-hmm. I was looking to other Mini Coopers in the area, and there was this red one like way downtown. But the price was really good, and the mileage was like 33000 and I like I like the green. Yeah, yeah, the green the green is nice. Like red. Like- my my neighbors have a green Mini Cooper, and it that's like the Mini Cooper. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like the the thing about red, right? Like a lot of people like cherry red or whatever. But I'm like, nothing is like I like red too. But also, it's a vulgar color. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine. But I think green is cooler. Um, it's also cold palette, even though the, the Cooper green is kind of a warmer green. It still rides close enough for my taste. Yeah. I don't know why I'm giving you my approval on the color of your car necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> thank you. He, yeah. he was waiting on it. That's he, he can go outside and yeah, I can give it a that, thank okay. you kiss. You can add that to yeah. your resume or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give him the first payment now. Yeah. No, no. Well, the, like, the right guy liked the green. All right. You didn't rip me off. Here's some money. <laughs> no, but the the story the story of this one is a comedy of errors, as I called it, because we were looking at a burgundy one downtown, and then this one, while we were looking it up, you know how you look up a car online, and literally every ad on every website comes up. Hey, we you're looking for these? Here's a billion more in your area, and one of them just happened to be marked as a a green. It's the same year, same mileage. No, but it's green. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I go and take a look at that. The dealership got it in so recently, they can't even let me test drive it yet. <laughs> well, they were, they were, well, it was an actual mini dealership, so they're changing the oil, they're changing the fluids, putting new brakes on, right. questioning up the whole thing. So, but I loved this car. This thing was kept in immaculate condition. Like, everything was there. No rust, no rot on any of the rubber. Everything on it was well taken care of. I love this car. There's a few more that I'm going to go see later on. Like, I'll be back when this is drivable. Yeah. But we made a whole day out of going to see the see that one. They wanted a ridiculous interest rate. So we skipped out, went to get the Burgundy one. That one online is beautiful. They don't mention online that it was a manual. Oh. And they didn't. They didn't mention that it looked like someone had played whack-a-mole on the on the you know on on the bonnet. I think I'm calling it a bonnet because it's a British car yeah. on the hood. Um I have one okay, I have two things. One, uh that's not cool. Uh no. two, uh, I should say when I said red is a vulgar color, I'm also looking right now at a bright metallic red. I didn't know you meant burgundy. Burgundy is not a vulgar color. Burgundy's nice. Uh yeah. I still think green's better. But I just want to say, burgundy is not a vulgar color. Um, all you burgundy fans out there, like, leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't. But we went to this side. Pro- we went to. We went to this. This is me and my dad because he's the car guy. Mm. Uh, we went. We went to check out this one. Uh, we weren't happy with it. They offered okay. They chopped the price down by like three thousand, but that was just a loud mouth on the lot. They wouldn't honor it. Walked. Yeah. But that side diversion where we's like, well, for that price, we might consider it. 
we missed getting to another dealership with another one we were looking at by three minutes. Mm-hmm. They had just closed down and left, so we couldn't even get that one either. By the time all this wraps up, we're just like, okay, we'll figure out how to make it work down at the mini dealership, and we'll go get the green one. But this time, they're actually running credit, and this time, they're actually checking it out, and now everything prices out way better than it was before. Nice. Yeah. So it was just about five hours running around the city looking at different minis. All of them had stuff wrong with them. And we just end up right back to where we started. And hmm. it's an absolute perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I also want to throw out there, in case anyone's about to write the message about how manual is completely fine. No, it is completely fine. But, like, have have a moment here as a manual enthusiast, dear listener. You must realize that, like, as someone who's like, no, but manual's better. Like, that's like, well, yeah, if you have a wood-turning setup and you make your own bowls instead of buying bowls that's probably better but that doesn't mean everyone's going to get a wood turning setup and make their own bowls yes some people like to just buy yeah. a pre-made bowl yeah some people like I mean, to just have the cargo like it's like <laughs> inversely you know i could buy all the equipment and learn how to fish or i could just go get a fish sandwich at mcdonald's yeah, and like I'll, I'll say this, I drew man, I, I've driven manual once under supervision uh, as part of like a course, and I thought it was really cool. In isolation, with no one else on the road, I actually really liked it. But the mo- the moment I thought about having to do all that while also in the midst of other cars that are all able to kill me if they run into me, then I was like, this is less enticing. Yeah, so <laughs> actually had a conversation kind of along those lines at work the other day. The Newest hire that we have is he's oddly young for still being right out of of college. And we're having to have a discussion about that because somebody else was talking about buying a car. And, man, they were kind of looking at a manual, but weren't sure if they want to do that. And he was like, oh, why is the manual so bad? It's like, have you ever driven a manual? Well, no. Like, okay. (laughs) Okay, sit in your desk chair. Pretend like you're driving. You know, what do you need? Like a hand on the wheel? Okay. Oh, now you need to shift gear. So actually that right hand has to be down here. The left hand's got to be the one drive. Now your other foot's doing something too. Now you're now you're driving a manual. Why would somebody do that? I'd cuz <laughs> what it is. It's like, it's it's incredibly satisfying, right? When you figure yeah. out the rhythm, but also at least, this is me doing it one day. So obviously people who drive manual all the time know how to do it. But like I saw the draw when I pulled it off, mm-hmm. but then I was like I would need at least a month of doing this in a parking lot to feel like I could drive down the street with other cars doing this. Yeah. Right, except for you can't, like, practice it in a parking lot because you're never going to get, yeah. like, beyond second, maybe, in a parking lot. And, like, okay, maybe these do exist, but when I was in a position of having actually doing driving for, like, y- the year or two when I was driving, because I've always ended up being in transit areas and just that's just how the cookie crumbled. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought it was a little messed up how you take a class, which involves driving amidst the public, you do a test, which sometimes is not on a course, but just driving around and being marked on what you're doing, uh-huh. and that there's no, like, there's no structured and societally accepted thing of, I'm going to go to the driving practice track 
and practice driving. Like, my nah, mom, you're doing it live. My mom would, would, like, we would do practice driving in a big empty parking lot. And I remember at one point going, like, why do we have to do this in a big empty parking lot? It's because there's nowhere else to do it. And I'm like, is that not a little messed up? Does that not maybe explain sometimes, like, the stigma around getting a license that you can't actually... Or you can practice, but in a, only in live fire situations. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but no, uh, no. For for me, it was like I had never driven a manual before. So when we looked went to look at that one, my dad said, "Okay, I'll drive. I'll te- I'll do the test drive, and I'll show you how it works. And then you know, it, you know, if they're going to honor this price, then maybe you can learn it." Uh, my dad has driven his entire life worked on cars his entire life he can drive anything practically anything and he's driven manual tons of times during the test drive he managed to kill the car in the middle of an intersection i'm, like, <laughs> I'm out i'm done yeah also also the part where he's like i'll just show you how to do it now because i had this other thought when i had the lesson that involved manual i was like this is kind of cool also when i have someone literally sitting next to me telling me what to do when i get like mixed up uh now throw me into a live fire situation where I'm by myself trying to remember how all this works while mm-hmm. keeping my eyes on the road. So yeah, um, manuals, if you know how to drive manual, you know what? You're really darn cool. That's what I'm trying to say. You are unironically extremely cool, and you can do a thing that I probably can't uh, in any, any time in the foreseeable future. Uh, the other thing I want to say, TJ, is I would probably choose something like a Mini because here's my other driving thing. I hate big cars because I don't know where my body exists on the road in a big car. Right. Uh, and I know you can get used to it, but like, even now, sometimes in Victoria, my mom's like, Hey, do you want to try back in the, the big, uh, the big van out, uh, of the, the parking lot or the parking garage that we do all the fencing stuff in? And I'm like, absolutely not. And the the idea of driving that thing around terrifies me because it's like a big ass camper van. And I'm like, I can barely deal with, with driving a normal size car. That isn't even a smaller normal sized car because I'm like I just don't know where I exist, uh, which obviously comes with practice. But again, I ended up living in all kinds of places with lots of transit and not needing a car, so yeah. I never picked up yeah. the skill set. But that was always a huge roadblock for me, even when I was like getting a learner's. I was like, I really hate the part where like I'm like, where's the trunk? Where's the rear bumper? Like, I don't have a sense of space. Like, nowadays, they have lots of cars with, like, little cameras in the back and everything. And I'm like, oh, this is all, like, a godsend. Like, if I had... If this all existed on everything when I was uh, in, like, 2003 or whatever, like, I'd be way more into this in general. Yeah. Like, I think it took me so long. Like, I I hated driving for the longest time because all... my, My parents, for my entire childhood, teenage years, whatever all drove huge cars you know like my mom when my mom growing up would try to teach me how to drive in this lincoln continental it's the size of a boat the, the and, friggin in victoria in, in in the downtown area it's a thing in victoria specifically there are these people these little families often or like a guy driving around in these friggin like three foot raised pickup truck bro dozers to to, yeah. to to coin it to, to use a term that was coined mm-hmm. to me and i'm just like a why but also b i'm like it's it's like it's like you're driving in a giant puffy suit like how do you not scrape stuff constantly that's what i ask yeah. people and then people tell me when i'm in victoria like oh no here's the answer to that they just do because <laughs> they don't know what they're doing uh yeah like i don't know how like i don't know i'll, how. I'll say 
with the F-150 uh, that I drove for a very long time, I never, like, yeah, you're you're in, as you said, kind of the bro-dozer at a certain point. Um, but you do, you just learn your size. Yeah. And yeah, but- it comes a matter of, like, the the biggest thing is, like, you'll sit there and you'll look at, like, you're in a parking lot, and hey, that spot's kind of tight. Not gonna do it. I'm just gonna go somewhere else. See, you that, know? that's already the, a thought the only process, time I right? bumped into a thing was in the CRV trying to back into a spot in a parking garage. Yeah, that's already thought processes. Those are thought processes well outside of most of the brodozer drivers in Victoria, because Victoria, <laughs> they're driving them in the tiny two lane downtown areas. Yeah. They're, oh, I. <laughs> yeah, I. That's. They're they're but parking the thing them. Is, they're parking after, them at the pharmacy. Like f- they're hovering over another half spot on either side, right? Uh, in Victoria, this is a very Victoria thing. It's like people have these giant off road vehicles because there's a lakes area, but most of these people never go there. These have these giant off road vehicles and they drive around downtown, uh, and it's ridiculous. Uh, nothing against dear listener. If you own one of these things, you're fine. I'm talking about them. <laughs> All right, like <laughs> not you. It's not you. It's other people. And and at the end of the day, if you want to have one up on me, I'm the guy who still doesn't even drive. So like, whatever. You know how to you 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 are an active driver. You live somewhere where you got to, and you're good at it. You're doing better than I am. Uh, I just observe things. That's all. <laughs> uh, like my dad drives like a 50 year old tank of a car, and he he threads the eye of the needle with this thing. I have no idea how. Like, once you get good at it, it becomes an extension of you, basically. Like, I've seen people do parallel parks with things where I'm like, how the hell did you do that? And they're like, oh, I just do it a lot. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that's the biggest part of it. It's the, like I said, you learn you learn your corners, you learn your dimensions, and you you trust that it's that it is what it is. Which brings me back to that earlier point. Like, why is it not more of a societally done thing to just have, here's the practice driving course? Well, I th- I think some of that is is more just like okay, you've got the practice driving course, but you'd have to do like hours of doing that in order to get to that place. We, we just got to make that a normal part of of growing up. That's all. Like it's not right now, but all you got to get one generation to do it, and it'll just be like, oh, that's the thing you do. That's what you do after school when you're 15. You go to the driving course for two hours, and then and then uh, they give you an ice cream afterwards. <laughs> But you're 15, so you're like, I'm too cool for ice cream. I want cigarettes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> what a tangent. Like, like after the game, you go out for snow cones, but they're alcoholic now. Yeah. Well, that's that's the whole other thing. Is I this is I mean, people disagree with this, and they rightfully will, depending on their beliefs. Personally, I think that they should switch the legality ages for driving and drinking. Uh, make people get used to being drunk before they get confident to drive and operate vehicles. Uh, but I have a very European sensibility about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say around here that would not work because <laughs> mass transit <laughs> technically exists, but it's it's like a 12 minute drive for me to get to work. And if I was to ride the bus, it'd be two transfers and two hours. But then you could you could get to work drunk. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> That like, big no pause. Like not to mention, like if you if if you switch the driving ages, you know, driving age here is sixteen, which means 
I'd, I'd have gone to high school with people who were just plastered the entire day. Exactly. They're plastered in a controlled environment, right? Uh, and and they're they're you get rid of the you get rid of the whole veneer of it. You get rid of all the like utterly like embarrassing ways that that in high school people are sneaking drinks around. Uh, and it says like no, legally you can completely just like screw yourself up. You you just can't you can't even pretend like you're qualified to operate a vehicle. So Alfie overheard us talking about this and wanted me to uh, send that image along. That's her daily work driver. Yeah, but that but that's justifiable for the work she does. Right. That's right. Uh, and it's the same color green. Oh yeah, you're right. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a that's a yeah, mini pickup truck. White. She says the front end on this is as big as that mini probably is. Probably. <laughs> And yet, now imagine one of those with that whole trailer, except someone's driving around like a downtown yuppie suburb for no reason uh, to go pick up like three bottles of Perrier at the Shoppers Drug Mart. Yeah. And there you go. You have Victoria. (laughs) Uh, We should probably bump along now that we've offended every single uh, driving enthusiast listening to the podcast. Um, Let's pop over to you, Aaron. Have you got any off topic stuff on your end? Uh, so I, I could continue the car talk. I was very close to pulling the trigger on a Tesla, actually. There, there was a... Everyone's just going for the little cars. A, uh, a, a Model S uh, 2015 model here uh, that was in Chicago that was like in the 350 a month range. Mm-hmm. Um, but I managed to not do that because I came to my senses because I realized I'd have to clean out the garage and have like a charger installed and it's more <laughs> headache than I want to, to buy a car that I don't need. Um, but I did, uh, the thing that I will talk about is I did get to build a, uh, Gundam model kit that, um, Alfie's dad had picked up and sent along with, um, so when we went out to LA, Alfie went to see her family beforehand um in the bay area and had found some stuff and her dad offered hey instead of you hauling it to la and then back to indiana i'll just box it all up and ship it to you once you guys are back yeah cool and so on top of that he dropped some other stuff and so i guess he went to a thrift store found a gundam model kit for four dollars that was sealed hey and sent that along and uh it had it was tape sealed, not plasti sealed, and so I cracked it open, and it was only missing like one elbow pad piece was all that was missing out of it. And she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry that it was missing parts. Dad couldn't open it." And I'm like, "No, it was like it was four dollars. It was four dollars. <laughs> like, and it's it's the GM Sniper K9, so it has this oh, whole like backpack. One. Yeah, it has this whole backpack piece that turns into this like quadruped that." You know, that that can carry the giant sniper rifle on top of its back, and then you can have it with the slightly smaller rifle. Like, it was a fun build. Just model, it was... some, model some uh, some battle damage on that missing elbow socket, and you're good to go. Like, just yeah. Drill some holes and put some little wire sticking out of it. So it's like, oh, someone but, blew off his elbow pad. Yeah, but it was a, a fun little build, which definitely that it was in building that that I went and like, okay, I'm going to find the the Gridman mini plot kit because I got a little bit of a build itch. Yeah. Again. And it uh, was like th- there was a little part of it that had like the torso and head had been partially built. 
but it was like they just like spun it out of the sprue. So I took it all apart and like trimmed up the 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 edges that would have caught on everything. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of like I'm fixing somebody else's problem, and also just like enjoyable sitting there and doing something with the hands. Now once I once I have a better working space and I get through some more of my gunpla and mini-pla, that's when I'm going to get like back to actually purchasing some. I, I just have I have really good kits that I haven't built and I want to build them before I get more. Mm-hmm. Uh and then I'm probably going to get that same itch that you're talking about. Uh well, very cool. I I got one off-topic thing to talk about. Um it's two figures of the same design. I got two colorways of it as uh review samples. Um, it's podcastless. Uh, it's the three zero Ultraman. Um, I got the anime version from that Netflix anime that just came out, uh, which is a repaint of, they were, they released, uh, two versions, um, in 2016 and 2017 or 2017, I think is when they released, actually released it, uh, based on the manga, which has a slightly different color scheme. And then there was a stealth like black version, which is the other, this is the other colorway I got. So I got the stealth one from the manga. And then the anime version, which actually loses one accessory. It loses the unmasked head. But the anime version comes in a much simpler box and retails for like 129 US, which is like way the hell less expensive than the original versions, which I think uh, the stealth one was an exclusive that's like 230 or something like that. This figure for 130 US, I think is pretty darn good. It's got some problems, but for 130 US, the anime version has like just it's three zero. They do the 3A toys as well. I opened the box, and it was just like, there's so much paint on the thing, it felt like I just opened a bottle of enamel paint. It was just like, you know? And then, um, as a fault, it definitely was painted very shortly before it was put in the box. (laughs) Because, like, uh, some of the red paint on the very tops of the thighs was stuck to the inside of the pelvis and just came off. So there's a couple mm-hmm. little blemishes in there. And he's got these flaps that open on his forearms. And when I opened them, there was like one gummy line of black shading ink that was like holding it closed because they they did an ink wash on the inside. And it was like they immediately closed the flaps before the ink wash even dried. Um, so I had to do a little bit of like open everything, like like clean up some of this webbing and stuff. It's not that's that's probably the biggest blemish on the figure is that like the paint just isn't dry before they're packaging it <laughs> at least the copy i got it might, might i might yeah. have a freak copy but even that said it still looks great the body is very well posable it's one six scale uh it's a lot like their marvel stuff but slightly better it's got some die cast content in the uh the elbows knees and feet um and it doesn't have like rubbery coatings over all the moving joints it just has like a rubber piece um for the the midriff and the pelvis uh, so they just, like, flex slightly to get out of the way of the fully, like, plastic-engineered um, articulation. Um, and he comes with a lot of different swap parts. He comes with hand swaps, but also a bunch of different swapping parts for his forearms to have, like, exposed uh, specium ray stuff or to have, like, these uh, forearm blades appear on there. And then uh, he, has, he uses eight AG-1 batteries, uh, two per. Uh, f- there's two in each forearm, two in the chest, and two in the head. Uh, and they, they're, I really like how they did these because basically the entire, aside from the chest with the head and with the forearms, you open up the spot and then just take the entire chipboard with switch out as a separate piece, put the batteries in, then put it back in. You don't have to like try to figure out how to wrestle the batteries in there. And they provide you with a specialized little plastic stick to push the batteries back out when you want to switch them. 
the chest just has the battery slots very open and accessible when you pull it off of uh, off of the front piece. It's like the chest plate comes off. It's magneted in, but also heavily frictioned in. It does not fall off very easily. It's it's very well designed. Um, my only problems with it are actually in the forearms. The covers for the battery uh, stuff for the forearms. They kind of friction in on the anime suit because there's so much paint. They friction in just fine. On the stealth one, there's a bit less paint, and one of them tends to fall out really easily. Uh, and then the sliding elbow, sliding and jointed elbow bits uh, on the end, the the elbow end of the forearms, uh, they're on a little T-bar track, and sometimes the forearm splits open a little bit, and they can fall out. Uh, it's easy to put back in, but it's a little annoying. Um, the the anime version I think is just is excellent. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed with it. Uh, it feels like a an improvement on their Marvel robots uh, stuff that I've handled before. Uh, the stealth one I like because it's also like matte black and looks really cool. But like the price differential, it's like I, I can't even I can't even try to pretend like, you know, you should go for the stealth one instead. Like the anime version is all of that, but better uh, build quality wise, aside from like the, the paint blemishes I mentioned um, on the anime one. And on the stealth one, sometimes the anime, anime one more so, uh, the forward swivel on one of the shoulders is oddly loose, and I'm trying to figure out if there's a screw I can tighten, but I can't find one. Uh, but I, I like it. The the LEDs are just blazing bright, um, and uh, a lot of the, the points of failure I would expect from some of the PVC stuff just aren't there because those parts are not PVC. Uh, it's more like just PVC accoutrement. So uh, I'm going to get a review of that put together sooner than later. Um, I also just uh, marathoned through the Netflix anime series, uh, which I know is an adaptation of the manga series, which I have not read. I've just read wiki articles about. Uh, the anime was okay. Um, I see what people are talking about not liking the animation style. I think that people are a little bit... How do I put this? I think the way people don't like it is not incorrect. It's kind of, I kind of have similar feelings. I think the way people dismiss it is a little bit too much for me. Um, but they use a lot of motion capture, and unfortunately, in a lot of very quiet dialogue scenes, I hate to say this because I think this is a hyperbolic statement that goes beyond what I actually want to say. I just don't know a better way to say it. It looks like a Dreamcast cutscene at times. Like, it's just hmm. a, a mid-2000s era video, cu- video game cutscene, and... It's a shame because I think just a little bit, a few tweaks could make it have a lot more style. There, there's no lip flaps. They're actually matching the mouths to the actual spoken words, which is really cool. But the motion capture, at times, it's too motion captured. It looks too much like a tokusatsu show. And for Ultraman, maybe that was the intent, was to block it and, and act it as tokusatsu and then use that to create animation. But... There are times when I'm watching it where I'm kind of like, did you all just want to make toku, but you didn't have sets? Uh, cause I would have been into that. Uh, the action scenes obviously are a little bit different, but it's not like, it's not like the best show in the world, but I don't watch a ton of anime. So I was like, no, I kind of dug this cause it's got a bunch of Ultraman words I know. And, and there's some neat stuff in there. I think it's worth watching. I don't think it's going to blow your socks off. I think if you want to get super critical analysis about it, it probably is riddled with faults, but I, I had a fun time. It was only 13 episodes. Um, and there, they use a lot. There's some cool stuff in there. It's just, yeah, I guess if I had one, one other fault, that's like a not snobby fault. It would be that those 13 episodes felt to me like a really oddly prolonged pilot. And when they ended, I was like, I feel like now is when the show was supposed to actually start, but that's the first season. So maybe the second season will feel a bit cleaner if they do one. Uh, 
And there's been there's been debates about how Iron Man ish the new design looks, and I'm like, you're not wrong, but sometimes the way people say it and the way they expand to that point makes me think that they actually have just never seen Ultraman. Uh, so anyway, the figure's cool. The anime version is, is I think, incredibly affordable for what it is. Uh, and that's all I got. So, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, TJ and Aaron, for joining me. And, uh, mm-hmm. triple thank you all for, for just putting up with the big delay that is hopefully... Actually, no, if you're listening to this, the, the big delay, you're, you've started hearing the stuff after the big delay. Uh... I should hope so. That just, that just happens. Like I said in last week's episode, sometimes things just, you know, don't work out, or things, you know, the machine gets jammed, but we just keep going, and we make it work. The, one of the nice things about this, the state of this podcast is we just do it because we like it, uh, and so... Yeah, sometimes sometimes it doesn't go great, but then we just keep doing it anyway, and more episodes come out. So whatever. Uh, anyway, we'll talk to you all later, uh, and until then, please continue uh, as best you can to stay safe. It means, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay.